0: Today I have a very special guest here with me, Nikos, how are you? You're not going to say my last name? On the advantage, Casabella now, sides coming even, here's Dealey, in close, scored it! Right on the front doorstep, Della Grammaticus, correct! You couldn't write a better story
1: there was an understanding that was kind of like okay we talk all that smack about how we want to win a ring they saw what we need to do that was the first moment really in my life where i was kind of like you know even my parents who like have always been like kind of like okay let's to do this they called me they were like do you want to come home like it's okay uh like we know you like to push up but it's okay and i remember that conversation i, was just, I started crying but i was like no freaking way <laughs> there's no way i'm coming back everybody dreams of scoring the winning goal at some point in their life and I was like never a big scorer. Like my position is not a big scorer position. We're more of a defender, like distribute things out. Wasn't like a big gun in the team. Anyways, like I just like did my job, and I don't know to be there and to do it like that. It was kind of like it reassured the belief that I have that it's cool to care. Because this is something I did didn't mention before during that last during those nine months of COVID season and the second season of 2021. Like I just at some points like do I care too much? I I get that a lot of myself, like I asked, you know, but it's cool to care, it's cool to do good, it pays off, at some point it pays off.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Denting, my name is Fernando Andrade, I am your host, and today I have a very special guest here with me, Nikos, how are you?
1: You're not going to say my last name?
0: I was going to mess around with you just because of the last podcast (laughs) I heard, I'm going to go for it, and and you can correct me or not, Nikos... De like grammaticas, perfect. De la grammaticas, yeah. but it's not. I, I also noticed your name isn't Nikos; it's Nikolaos, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, given name is like Nikolaos because that's kind of how you do the names in Greece. Like names are either ancient Greek or they're like orthodox, or your name like after a saint, so Saint Nikolaos, and then nobody calls you Nikolaos or Nicholas. Really, they just call you Nikos. Mm. It's like I don't know Samuel to Sam. Oh, it's like fair. Huh. Same thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I always, like, everything is like Nicolas, but I always like Nikos. Uh, but in Greece, everybody calls me by my last name because there's so many Nikoses that Yeah. It doesn't.
0: But yeah. So, the La like, Grammaticas is what they call you back home. Perfect, yes. See, so, yeah, I just wanted to mess around with you. I'm not forgetting that. Oh, See how you react. Um, but, yeah, a lot of things going on. Before we even start, thank you for the coffee. Uh, cheers, cheers. to that. First person that uh, has brought coffee on the pod. So oh, love I appreciate that. I, um... Yeah, I figured we start we start like that because it's an interview, but it's more of a conversation. I won't let it flow mm-hmm. just like we did last time. We got coffee, but um nice. what, what? How do you feel about that? Like, why why bring coffee? You were like, oh, oh, I won't come empty-handed. And we've talked about like our cultures. You're from Greece, yeah. Spanish family, and I'm from San Diego, Mexican family. I was literally just talking about this with Monica upstairs last night. Juan, who's my roommate, like they're both from Spain, talking about this like.
1: Yeah, that's I like. Don't. I feel like well. First of all, like in Greece, it's kind of like you know where you go. You usually don't go empty handed, especially if it's like an occasion. I mean, I don't think we have specific occasions for podcasts, but, you know, no matter where you go, everything, you have to bring something like I literally got in an argument with my one of my best quick friends because she's hosting Thanksgiving, and I'm like, what should I bring? Is it like nothing? Because it's also a custom to like, you know, if you host somebody, you don't let anybody bring anything. So I don't know. It's kind of a thing. I like coffee. I think we we'll get the brains firing. So it's
0: good. No, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was raised that way, too. And I love that you yeah. bring that up and something I've had to learn to do is like usually I'd be like oh no I'll get it or something but it's like if I'm doing that for other people I have to let them do it as well you know what I mean like <sighs> the same thing with your friend yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the hard part but if you were hosting maybe she'd be like be oh people- what can I bring what can
1: I bring oh nothing nothing. nothing. same thing with like uh, I mean I'm not saying this is right or wrong like I feel like it's a little difficult to like mitigate but like same thing with like venomos and stuff I don't know how it's for you but like when I host my people on my on my house like nobody venom me anything if you come over for dinner I got you otherwise I wouldn't invite you uh, however, you know, when you're in college it's like it's a good custom to like split the because like we're students, we're not we don't have much to live on. So yeah. But like going off the culture stuff, I think it's it's definitely gonna come up a bunch in the podcast because it's a very I don't know, it's a very big thing of like going to a new place that like you have to understand the culture, have to bring some of your culture with you and it's like it's
0: it's an interesting game that you have to learn as you grow up. Yeah, no, hundred percent and I just figured it was an interesting way to start because it's the the obvious way. Also you're First, one of the new notebook, a lot of new things. We were, we were already talking with uh, 48 Laws of Power, so I'm excited about this. But before we even dive into any of this, what do you like to introduce yourself for those that may not know you?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so my name is Nikos de la Ramad, as I first said. I play water at Cal, graduated. Also, sorry, I'm asking this on air show.
0: Look at you at the camera. Whatever I prefer you want. to look at you. Yeah, I mean, it's our conversation.
1: Nikos la Madcast, I played Water at Cal from 2017 to December 21 last year. I was the captain of the team last year and I studied environmental economics and I did a little focus on finance on the side. So I come from Greece and Spain, uh, born in Greece and raised like in a household with Spanish mother, Greek dad. Both things were very prominent, so like I always say, I'm half and half. You Not know, when people ask me like, "How's that?" I'm like, "Trust me, if you knew my mom, you would understand." Uh, so yeah, that's about it. And play water polo since I can remember. wasn't very good at any other sports like soccer. Like my dad was very happy when I asked to like switch from soccer to water polo. He's like, "That fit very well for you." Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Came to Cal. Came to the States for the first time, August 2017 for Cal. And uh, right now, graduate, I'm graduating, I'm working, started working last February, and yeah, just sticking around Berkeley for this year, and we'll see where life takes me in the future.
0: Yeah, I know, for sure, that's awesome, we'll definitely, you missed out a, a big part of your resume, being a national champion as well, right? You, you're too humble, you're too humble about everything you do, is that something you do with everything, or no? <laughs> that's it, that's it, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, it's like, I don't know, I, it's it's different, like,
1: culture. Each culture maybe.
0: I was literally gonna say it's it, yeah. Like,
1: I don't know, you just like Nicholas, like it's not like a title and it's like the British titles that they have like OBE and stuff like it's just like it's and it's also like in the past. Like I don't know. You don't Okay. Long story short, I love this the reason I don't like to say this is because like you know, it's in the past and you wanna fix your future. You never wanna be the guy who like lives in the past and it's not who I am, it's what I did. It's kind of like different, you know? Mm. Like waterpolo is not who I am, but it's part of what I did and what my life was
0: interesting yeah
1: and you know you don't need to people know and or you know we'll come up in conversation. it was obviously gonna come yeah, up yeah. yeah
0: um it's just interesting everything like even for context people that don't know i told you oh let's do a podcast because for me it's like the way to just meet people have those conversations it's easy right mm-hmm. and you were like let's get coffee first and i was like oh okay interesting we can definitely do that but then you were like oh, i just wanted to see like if i could bring something to the podcast that's why i was like I don't know it's it's like different in, in every sense and I just wanted to start with that like coffee different no, no, no. The coffee first instead of like it's just different unique it's cool I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying it's not it's just I just think
1: that you know like I I like any connection that I have with anybody to be genuine that was with my teammates too and everything like to you know that I like to be like a truthful person and it's not that people that you know will show up and do the podcast are not truthful by any means it's just my way of being and it's just kind of like, you know, let's get the vibe, see how it's going to be. Maybe we want to talk about some stuff ahead of time, kind of plan it, because we had a very good conversation with strata and I don't know. It was also in the interest of the podcast. So if this is our second conversation, serious conversation, like you already know where you want to go and you kind of know a little bit about me, I wanted to learn about you too, so yeah, it's kind of.
0: From the start, right, you mentioned that you played water polo because you weren't necessarily good at other sports. Um, How did that work? What was your, like, when did you start playing water polo? What was it like growing up your childhood for you? Okay, so if you see where I grew up, my hometown is called Vujakmeni.
1: You can't even spell it. It's fine. It's outside of Athens, like by the beach. Used to be like this place that used to be only like for summer houses back in the 70s when my grandpa bought the house where he would go with with my dad and my grandma and his brother. And... It's just a big water polo swimming town only for the summer. And, you know, as years go by, it started getting a little more populated, like Athens started spreading out, you know, Vujakmadi became kind of people where people, uh, people, like, lived all year long. And the water polo team has always been legendary um, from, like, the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, I kind of double round sports. So I come from a family where my dad did swimming and water polo in the summers. In the winter, he didn't because he wasn't a very good student, so my grandparents were like, you gotta study first. But in the summers, they were in Wiliakmany for like three, or four months, they were playing water polo and swimming at the same pool that I grew up with. And my mom played basketball. She was Spanish, like junior national team and stuff, so she knew very well the path. And from a very young age, you know, they pushed me. No, they didn't push me, they were like, sports are good, what do you want to try? Started with soccer. <laughs> I wasn't good, and, like, I didn't like the atmosphere there. I didn't like the coaches, uh, didn't have a lot of fun, also because I wasn't good, but also because of the environment. Try basketball, because height, you know, it's kind of like right in Greece, like, oh, you're told you should play basketball. That wasn't very much my thing either, and the minute, I don't know, I, I, I learned how to swim when I was three. Like, I always loved the water. My dad is an avid scuba diver and did a bunch of stuff with it. Now he has a company with it, so I was very drawn to the water. So when my body kind of came up to me, his older sister played already at Budahmeni, and he's like, you know, I'm going to go try and polo. we're like third grade. And his mom was like, you should take Nicolas with you, because I was like the biggest kid. And my dad was like, where? In the pool? She's like, yeah. And they went there, same coach that used to coach my dad, was the head coach of the whole club at the time. And kind of started with that. I was still playing a little bit of basketball, a little bit of tennis, you know, kind of doubling around, trying to find where I like, but it was very clear very soon that I was like, I had some predisposition, like I was decent at from a young age and I liked it a lot and the guys were good and I don't know it clicked and from third to like <clears throat> sixth grade it was kind of like okay two three times a week four times a week like my parents still wanted me to try other stuff and then seventh grade which is our first year of junior high because we have six three and three instead of what is it in America eight like six two and four so
0: in we, America it's eight, four. F- eight and four yeah pretty much like or no sorry 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 sorry, because that's elementary um it is six two four four. yeah so we have six three three so anyways that's when i
1: was about like 13 12 going the first day of the summer training i this new coach like took over a younger team for the first time and you know he kind of like pulled me to the side after a week he's like listen like if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this right you're going to train, we're going to train every day, and we're going to, and, like, he actually is a coach that made me, like, the player that I am. He coached me for six years straight. And, you know, he kind of got me on it, and I don't know, the rest is history. Like, I just never really missed a practice after I got super serious with it and really started thinking of a future, so that's how I got started. Uh, and, yeah. It was a very good environment to grow up. Well, I can talk more about
0: it, but I don't want to deviate
1: from a question. No,
0: no, no. I mean, it's it's your your podcast, your episode, but uh, like what you were saying, what, what age was that when you started getting serious? Just to put a number on it, because you were it was what 2010, I mean, so I would be 12 years old. 12 years old, and you said seventh grade, pretty much? Yeah, seventh like, grade first. First of secondary. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's also when school starts to get a bit more serious. and I, Correct. Yeah, and I listen to, like I said, the other podcasts you've done, at least one of them that, that I could find. Um, and oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't do that many yeah. <laughs> for the audience. Here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll do plenty. But, um yeah, and, and you were mentioning, like, the concept of student-athlete, which I've talked about with other Europeans here as well. Um, but you talked about it in a bit more of a – you gave more examples, per se, and you were very straightforward about, like, it just does not exist at all, like the concept no. of student-athlete and how <clears throat> that's a challenge for, yeah, for all of you. So, like, I think it's a beautiful thing how much America,
1: like, invests in, like, sports and the way you guys go about it. Like, there's no question that you have so many super athletes coming of this country. From Obviously, it's a huge country. Like, it's kind of like a continent on its own. Uh, but, like, it's it's insane and it's beautiful because, you know, you get people that can... The concept that I couldn't grasp until, like, two years ago is like, there's people that could get drafted for baseball and football, or, like, football and, like, um, whatever, like something else, at the age of 17, which means they've played the same sport, like, well. They've played more than one sport, and they've done it well. So, like, in Europe, it's the opposite. You kind of start, um, you pick a sport, and if you're going to go with it, like, really, you kind of start investing into it, like, 13, 14 years old, which is very early, because your body hasn't developed. So for the people that give up too early, like, you don't know where your capabilities are. How do you know you're not going to hit a growth spread at 16, which a lot of people didn't just, like, dominate it, speaking of my roommate. My roommate was a player of the year, three years in a row. He was an okay player until, you know, one, one year. He just, like, everything changed. Wow. So, like, going back to that, like, they, they make you choose. And they make you choose in a way which is kind of, like, very subtle at the beginning. So, school. There's an obvious thing where it's like, oh, he's the athlete, so we're not going to pay attention to him. Because sooner or later, he's going to stop caring about school. So, you know, talk about discrimination, maybe, you know, those words aren't used very much in Europe where I come from, but it's true, like, you kind of, like, it pushed to the side. And on the, on the, the water polo, the sport side is even harder because it's a tangible difference because you are going to miss a couple practices at least. And as much as you have all of your shit together, you're going to miss a couple practices, like, maybe a private lesson, maybe, like, an office hours, maybe an exam that came, you know, something. And that starts getting looked down upon. And, you know... Personally, I think it's for many reasons. Like, some people just don't think that you can do both, with without being harsh. They just don't think other people are kind of envious. Other people are kind of resentful. So you know, for auditory reasons, like you just cannot do both, or that's what you're told. And I, I just I like, chose personally like not to, you know, not to like adhere to that from like a very young age. I was like, uh-uh. I did. I was lucky because I'm a pretty good like auditory learner. Like I can pick up things from class, so I don't need to study very much until really. Lived for those first years but i was there like in class i was there i wasn't on my phone i was i was there uh and i'm also like very very competitive so i want to do well in school and when i started getting serious with water polo is when i met my best best friend who is kind of is,
0: is good oh yeah you know you're good uh, i i just have to look around because yeah so it doesn't disconnect or anything you're good you're good, oh,
1: good. but yeah like that year was also year i met my friend who's like very very good at school my best friend and he was also a soccer player and, uh, and very good at schools too. So we were both kind of like, you know, F is, we're gonna be the best at school and we're also gonna do very well at our sports, which we did. And he was a very big reason why I was like very attentive at school because he was better at me than at anything. So at everything. So I was like trying to beat him in all the exams. So that's kind of how it went. And you know, going through like high school, like even with my dad, like my dad, who was like very worried about school, he was like, you know, when are you gonna stop playing water polo to focus on school because you have to take the exams or whatever. And it came to a point about, so I was 17, I came back from my first junior European I got bronze. And, you know, he's like, are you thinking, you know, you're going to focus on school now and like leave it? And there were multiple conversations during the years where I was a little discouraged and it was kind of like, you know, "Let's, let's leave water polo. And massive props to my mom for being like, you can do both. You just, you know, just go out a little less. You can do it if you want to. So she told me a lot through that. And when I was 17, like, you know, started getting a little bit of interest in the States, first from UCLA, actually. And at the time, I was kind of went up to my dad. I'm like, listen, I can do both. Like, you just, you just got to trust me to do this. And they were both like, OK, let's do this. Let's figure out a way, you know, what do you have to do, what type of class you have to take. Because, you know, you have to take everything in English and yeah. I'm doing math and whatever in Greek so far. So that too. And kind of like that's how I dealt with it. But in Europe, it's like a very foreign concept. And it's sad because you see great athletes and people that are super healthy stop two years because our SATs are very competitive because all the universities are public and there's very few spaces, so you have to go balls to the wall. Like people will go to school and they will go to like private lessons for like five hours every day. You see people waste two of their best years just to get into a university, and then the next year they are sobered out they don't even go to class. Like it's just something that I refuse to adhere, and I was very very fortunate to have the parents that were like, okay, let's figure out a way to do this right. Not, you know, F the system and whatever. Just, like, let's figure out to, like, game it the way we have to game it and see what you can do. So that's how it worked out. And what you guys do here is amazing. I mean, could it be better? Is it, like, perfectly hard as, like, student-athlete? Other people that understand more and people that understand less? Yeah, but, like, that's life. Like, you're not going to have everybody on the same page, you know?
0: Well, what do you think could be better about the system right here? Like, you mentioned how the system doesn't exist back home, mm-hmm. but how could you make it? The current system in the United States, better in your opinion? I think that I mean I'm no one to like say what they should be
1: doing, but like from my experience with Berkeley, like I don't know how he's in high school first of all, so like you guys know about that. But from my experience with Berkeley, there were some times where it was kind of like, listen, man, like I have to travel. I'm trying to win this double championship. Let me take the midterm even earlier. Like it's okay, I don't have to take a little bit. It's like let's talk. And when you're when you when you're met with that, you know no type of answers, kind of like, let's, I'm human, let's talk please, like, and granted, like, dude, probably some of the emails I wrote to my professors, I wasn't explaining very well because it was my second year in the States, I didn't know how to type in English properly, I do not know how to explain, but, you know, just kind of like, meet me in the middle, I understand there's a lot of, uh, issues with between athletics and academics and debts and moneyless like that's always there but you know at the end of the day were humans. like why not sit down and talk and you can understand because i've seen professors that can do it so why are the other sorry why are the other people not able to
0: do it you know that's my kind of question no that makes perfect sense i haven't really had that issue yet that's, um, That's awesome. Yeah, but I've I definitely had friends that told me like, oh, we have that issue. Oh, we can't wear certain gear to school because they immediately see you as an athlete, especially at a school like Berkeley, right, where it's like such a tough school. But no, that makes sense. To to preface this, we're not angels either. Like I'm sure people have their own reasons
1: to like have a little bit of like a negative connotation about athletes at times. But let's not take you know a one person and make it a pattern recognition thing about everybody. Like we're we're just different.
0: Like generalizing. Yeah, I mean exactly. There, there's, I, I guess, I, and I say this often, and it correlates to the conversation we had last time. Like stereotypes exist for a reason, right? It's, like that's how we work. They, they weren't made up. They they exist for a reason. With that being said, you can't assume the stereotype for everyone. So, for example, oh, athletes, they're gonna be X, Y, and Z, but you can't assume that everybody's gonna be X, Y, and Z. But but you can take a good bet if you had to bet on it, you probably should. But with that being said. That's not going to be everyone. Oh, every athlete doesn't care about school. X, Y, Z, up. Nikos cares about school. Ah, uh, Fed cares about school. Ah, uh, these people care about school. Ah, oh, but the other eight out of the ten, don't. Eh, you no, know. I understand.
1: And it's hard for, like, the professional to sit there and be like, okay, I can't, like, you know, take a bet with all of you and assume that all of you are going to be good because some of you, okay, so I understand that side too, but, it's, you know, it's hard. Nonetheless, though, it's a great system. Like, yep. the fact that, dude, we are in one of the top schools in the world playing a sport and you know getting provided for everything and again we talked about this because i think that like, i spoke a little bit about that like, i come from like humble backgrounds you know it's it's good to see um i think uh jack clark says this that the rugby coach is like grateful for everything and tell for nothing i think that's a good way to like live life on the flip side yes let's see where we could improve but let's not forget like you know we are where we are and
0: no 100 i mean i'm 100%. i'm cal athletics we, we agree yeah, yeah yeah no i'm, I'm a too. huge fan of cal athletics could, could things be better? Yes. But I think it's the same thing as competition, right? It's it's that competitive thing. If we weren't competitive, we wouldn't be talking about these things because we just want it to be the best. That's it.
1: Exactly. I think you always have people like you and me that will sit down and talk about it and be like, hmm, how can we do this? Because we were having a coffee and we we're talking about this. Like, okay, you know, can we talk to coaches? Do we know anybody like in the department where we can be like, hey, we would love to help with this. So I think that's good and I think there's progress. And, you know, again, it's a beautiful thing that you can play sports and – because like that you ask, like it's insane. Like it's not, nobody else does it in the world, yeah. anywhere. So it's 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 insane. Yeah.
0: Before we move forward, let me just because I moved it a bit. All right, you're in there. Cool. The thing you were asking, like if I if I do like all this, or like when you asked like why I was looking around, so. For me, I just have to make sure since I do this entire thing just by myself in Mm. the same moment, like you got to think about it. You said before, like one day we'll have something else. One day somebody will be looking at the cameras. I won't have to worry about the interface. I won't have to be looking at the system that has my audio. But right now I have to look that this is on, that that's on, and that this is on while I have a conversation with you, so... That's the only reason. I oh, no, don't understand. Around. I mean,
1: like, I've seen, like, seen the. I haven't, obviously, like immediately after. I haven't watched all the podcast, but like, I watched a couple, especially when you started and like all the way. Dude, it's evolving great. Like, yeah, it's no. part of the process.
0: No, it's it's definitely part of the process. But I, I love what you were saying right there, and my. My next thing that comes to thought, I mean, you are, you were bilingual, now you're trilingual. I think your English is amazing if, if you started, like, if you started speaking five, six years ago, that's crazy.
1: Mm, yeah, so I was very lucky because both of my parents started abroad, that's where they met, they met in London. So it was a very trilingual household very early on. At first, our parents used to speak in English when they were talking about some of these years. they didn't want us to, like, understand or worry, but then we all quickly learned English very fast. And... My mom was a teacher, is a teacher of Spanish and English, so we had the resources there, and I don't know, it's just, you learned, so you, you learn to understand a language really m- easy, more, it's way easier to learn to understand a language than to learn how to speak it. Um, like, for me, I understood, like, I watched movies and everything with subtitles from a young age, and I learned English that way. I always say that, like, I learned a lot of English from my like, Eminem, because I loved his songs, and I tried to learn the lyrics, and I tried to, like, speak them, and, like, be able to speak them fast, too. And uh, then the last thing I did to learn English, which I did when I was in the States, because I don't know, I needed to communicate more because of my position, I started listening to my top players in the NBA, mainly Raymond Green, because he is a phenomenal, like, if you, like, listen to him, it's insane. Uh, So that's how I kind of learned it. And it's true, like, you know, when you kind of develop that part of your brain earlier, it's easier to pick up languages. Like, I picked up on Portuguese with a course here in Berkeley, my last spring so spring 2021 and you can learn it if you know if you have the muscle like i'm assuming same thing with you like you grew up with two languages like it's easier to learn a third one like when my serbian and Croatian friends like told me a phrase like i'll pick it up on it i'm not saying i learn how to speak it but you know you pick up the patterns the changes in the tone how this letter sounds and all that
0: stuff yeah i know honestly like for me i never had like a first language i just learned both at the same time yeah, same. um but yeah i mean i tried i tried a few other languages like two other languages. And, which ones? Okay, so, one I tried twice, which was Mandarin, and that was just a failure completely. Alfred, that me. one is very hard. It's <laughs> so hard, it's so hard. And the other one, it was just for a high school class, uh, it was French. And I I never was very invested in the class, mm. but it wasn't very difficult either, because it's it's like very similar to, it's for me it was like a combining a bit of Spanish and English, and last semester I had um, French roommates here, like just for one semester. And I could understand what they were saying. Like, they would speak to me in French. I haven't studied French. And I was like, oh, I was replying in English, and it worked out.
1: That's what I was saying with my, like, I talk about this with my mom all the time, that if you have the basis, which is usually, like, Spanish is a very good basis because it's the most simplified one. It's the one that sounds the most like what you read is what that sounds like. Then Italian, it's the, I would say, it goes Spanish, is the most plain. Then Italian, it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to pronunciation and how the conjugations go. Portuguese is pretty much Spanish, but with an accent, which is one of my favorite languages. And then French is just like, you read it and you learn the grammar, but pronunciation is like a whole nother thing. Because I took French for two years in uh, junior high school, like seventh and eighth grade. And you, you could write and you could figure out the spelling and what everything meant, but the pronunciation was like a whole nother.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. It's definitely different. And even like uh, Italian and Portuguese that you mentioned, like when I've traveled to those countries, I could speak in Spanish. And if they un- kind of understood, they'd reply, and I'd understand, then it, we'd just make it work. But that's how that goes. Anyways, going back to your story, mm-hmm. tell me a bit more about, like, that friend that that you mentioned, right? Like, how that competitive edge oh, my best helped, yeah, How how it helped each other, like, to push each other for academics and, like... Uh, athletics as well you mentioned like your mom saying that oh you can make it all work out you just have to like maybe not go out as much every now and then and finding that balance did having a best friend like that help you move forward
1: I mean we me and him always talk about it like every time I go back and we're just like you know casually having a drink whatever we always look at we like to the college these conversations, like you know where we were five years ago or like what next five years look like and because of the place we grew up, like a lot of people kind of like stayed there, stagnant, and never left, we kind of like, you know, I wonder if we would have done so well if we wouldn't found each other. Because we were like, I don't know, we were very like one, two punts, like we couldn't, how do you say this? Uh, like we weren't very like, because we were the kids that were trying to do sports and also took school seriously, and we made people look bad. And I say this like in a very humble way, like we didn't, we were just like able to do both. and. We didn't go out as much and you know we didn't have the same friend group so we were kind of like me and him so all we had to base was was off of each other and even though i did a little better like athletically like he was just in the classroom was i could never like reach him like he would understand math whatever and everything but going back to it, it is kind of like i think the two things that have helped me a lot in my life have been mentors and like that type of like life partners like i have a couple friends which like you know growing together at the same time and because when you're trying to do things that are different than normal, it gets lonely. At any age, and I don't think it gets easier. You just, like, learn how to deal with being alone a lot. Having a person like that is very important. On the classroom side, it was kind of like, okay, like, every time we start to sleep and I would start to, like, ask him to, like, pass me the answers whatever, he would, like, turn up and be like, this is the last time I'm, like, helping you all. that like, you need to go study because you're going to stay behind. Like, that for a friend that's, like, 13, for him to tell me that and for me not to get pissed and understand it, like, we had a very, very special connection and that's where we, like, you know, we see each other every 11 months and we're always, like brothers yeah so that was like that part of it that helped me get through school and helped me build good good basis because my mom was never a helicopter parent she wouldn't like open my notebooks and see what i'm doing so i learned a lot of my studying patterns from him patterns from him and when it comes to the discipline like just my mom taught me very well like i don't even like it's not determination it's not discipline it's kind of like doing what you doing what you said you're gonna do and it was very simple because like we're not much She's like if we paid for this water polo team or tennis team or whatever we're gonna do this and then you can stop next year there's none of like missing practice or whatever like none of that it's just like and you know if you want to go deeper into that instills a lot of kind of like how to take care of the family and like you know if the family invests in something you need to honor and i think that's a good thing to have but yeah she like told me very much we go here we do this we're gonna do it well and she sat me down and she told me listen you don't even know if you don't like something if you haven't done it well because only if you do it well is when Only if you do something like fully committed, that's when you know if you like it truly or not. Because if if you're half-assing something and you're not getting results, you don't get to say this sucks. No, you haven't done it right. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So that was kind of like something instilling me a lot from like, because she came from a similar background, like all of her and her siblings, five of them, all basketball, same thing, like practice every day. And she was kind of telling me, you know, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'll see you in May, but until May, you're practicing.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I wanted to start out, like, even the culture and asking those questions because that's how I was raised, you know? Like, if you start something, you're going to finish it. No questions asked. Like, it just has to go that way. And, I mean, it's part of the conversation we had last time, right? But it's, like, that understanding that we have with each other. Like, ev- like just last night, I was literally having a conversation with the same two people I mentioned, right? Juan and Monica. And we were literally talking about, like, how people obviously here, right, like we're in Berkeley, how people aren't going to understand certain things that we do, but that doesn't mean that we're in the wrong for it, if that makes sense, like, or, sorry, I meant it the the other way around. So what we could perceive as, oh, that was a bad thing, it wasn't their intention for it to come off as bad, it's just a difference culturally, but I think it sets you up with an advantage, don't you think so? I think that you make a great point, because I think that was the biggest thing that I learned as being a captain.
1: Uh, and I know this was gonna like obviously come up in the conversations. Just like my so number one like to like close off what we were saying like your roots are very, like very important and like how you grow up because it connects you very differently with people. Which I think it's beautiful. However, like the opposite is also presents a beautiful opportunity. Like to bridge a gap between two people that come from very different cultures is one of the most beautiful things because like that's kind of like you have to go to a level of understanding which I I arrived with a lot of my teammates and that's where like very very close. So. Yeah, going over what you said, I personally like my first two years in the U.S. I didn't have a good time uh, at all. With well, most of the time, I was out of sync, and I use this word like very specifically out of sync with everything, with my circle, with my team, with everything, because I couldn't accept different cultures, and if I couldn't accept different cultures, I couldn't explain them why I'm different, why why I'm doing the things that I'm doing, uh, and I think that's on the flip side is one of the one of the reasons like our team did so well because we kind of like sat down and we saw like okay. This can go two ways. Internationals can go this way and Americans can go that way. Or we can all come together, see the trophy and go towards the trophy as far as we can go. And I think that, yes, that's, it's very important. And as you said, if you look at it the right way, it's empathy. You can't be mad at somebody for doing something the way they're taught. If you explain to them a couple of times and they still choose to neglect your feelings, your, your, per, your perception of things, then it's a different conversation. But at first, like, your get-go should be like, let's talk about this. So, yeah, I agree. It's like, it's a very interesting and I think every single international person goes with it. And as we're doing this, like flip side, every American person goes with this, dude, people in, people in the U.S. barely leave the U.S. before they're 18. How are we suppo- How are they supposed to know how to like, you know, kind of like understand different perspectives that much? Like they, If you've grown up with the same people all the time, you can't expect for somebody to accept you at the same time. For them to truly accept you, you know, you have to meet each other in the middle, truly. That's a very good lesson. It was a very good lesson for me, and I always talk about it. It's kind of like, you know, I damage myself by not sitting down and be like, let me take a little bit of the culture, first of all, because I'm here. I can't be imposing my flag. First of all, it's very rude. Second of all, it's not very smart
0: because I'm alone, so you're probably outnumbered.
1: Third, like, it's tiring, man. Just, you know. Go with the flow a little bit and you know, figure things out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I literally just posted a clip, I think it was last week, uh the episode with Robin Neumann and I I mentioned it, like only thirty percent of Americans have a passport. And that goes to show how I think I saw that clip. yes, how how little uh yeah just how little americans may know about other countries and she made a good point which i agree with that it's like well every state in the united states is basically like its own little country and there's very different cultures and very different ways of living even for me i'm from southern california northern california culture very different college american culture very different to what i was used to with that being said i think you have to expand your ideas and experiences and everything with some internationals, if you have that ability, whether it's by going or by reading or watching videos from people that are from different places, because if not, like you said, it's it's very complicated to to grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, I think that the best thing that can happen is like, I cannot wait for all of my teammates to get to Greece and Spain, and I can take them scuba diving so we can go to the restaurants that I've grown up with. like. It's a beautiful thing. Like, if you do it, if you do it right, like you exchange culture with somebody, it's like it's super important. Like, people always wanted to travel since we could make boats and freaking ride home, Like, people would travel anywhere because, like, like all the biggest that like you read about the kings that everybody, everybody wanted to travel, wanted to see. Like, they were in Europe, they wanted to see what's up in Asia. They were in Asia, they wanted to see what's up in Europe. They were looking at this. Like, it's you want to. It's just that like you don't know how to at the beginning, and once you learn to communicate, like it's. I think it's a great thing, and you know, I whatever you said about the the. The United States like 50 different countries. Like everybody's different. Like you guys have different accents basically of English. It's crazy. It's a humongous place. Obviously people are not going to travel and it's not easy like financially. Um, But yeah, I think that it's a, you're presented with a unique opportunity. Like I have a family here and I say this like with all my heart, like people that I'm very, very close with. And if I'm trying to stay here for a couple of years, maybe more, who knows? It's important to build those bonds. You can't like go through life alone.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree 100%. And it's important to find that communication, which we'll get to in a bit. But on your path to even get there in the first place, you were taking both things seriously. You had the support from your parents, which I'm sure makes a huge difference from your best friends as well. You played on the junior national team, and then you started getting looks. You said at 17 to come to the United States. I'm not very big on the sport of water polo yet, with that being said, actually, you're the first water polo player that I've had on the podcast, so... And you have to prep a podcast with
1: Papa. the boys when, hopefully, they in yeah. December.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, on my list, I mean, it'll be, this will be out after, but I can't pronounce his name, I just know they call him Papa, and then Adrian, for sure. Yes. So, and you, you'll let me know which other ones afterwards, we'll, we'll figure that out, but... I got you. I'm super excited, actually, that it's going to be here. I, I think I already told you, right? That's big time two because
1: last time I was here we won
0: 2016 so, and 16 inspired you which is uh, didn't it? that's at the time you were committing to Cal right?
1: yes so the way so this way this happened uh, I didn't mention this like so my one of my best friends my captain since I was like since I first stepped into water polo and one of my best friends Odie short for Odysseus uh, he came to Cal two years before me and he came in 2015 and obviously very close, 2015 when he gets here, I do win the the bronze medal and I start talking with UCLA. And he's like, listen, if you're going to do this, do this right, email everybody and email uh, Kirk, who is the coach. So I sit down with my my mom and we just kind of like go through like any website of athletics that has a water polo, make a huge Excel sheet, and we write down names, emails of all the coaches and whatever, like just freaking... Funny, because I'm doing sales and I'm pretty much doing the same thing. And I did that when I was 17. Anyways, uh, so we do this. And I started having conversations with a couple schools in the West Coast, a couple schools in the East Coast. And as I'm doing this, obviously, like, Berkeley is, like, my number one for school. And UCLA is my number two for school and for other reasons. Like, audio being there was, like, a huge part of it. Because, again, he's, like, my older brother. We've always been very close. Uh, And as this is happening, they, they win the championship in 2016. And I had just verbally committed, I think it was like, I think I verbally committed like the spring of 2016 and signed like the NLI, whatever that's called, January of 17. Anyways, so in the meantime, I've kind of like said no to everyone else and they win the championship. I'm like, let's go. Long story short, I get here and I don't win the championship for the first four years. Yeah, But I don't know everything else for a reason like you know we closed it out the right way but yeah it was definitely like a
0: big thing it's part of the ride for sure and i mean to to your point about the excels which is hilarious because i had to do that my junior year and it's the exact same thing my dad it was like sit your ass down you're gonna google best schools that you want best soccer schools you're gonna match them you're gonna put in all the coaches emails you're gonna make a draft and you're gonna start sending them out and I've, I've said that, right? But I don't tell that to people. People come here, like, on this podcast, and they're like, yeah, my parents made me do this Excel sheet. Yeah, they said, and it's like, see? That, that's why we're all here yeah, in, exactly. in one way or another. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: And then I mentioned this as well, and uh, as we start getting more into water polo, I it's not that I have to say this, but personally, I always feel, like, obligated to say it right. Okay. I think I can talk about your sport. Or your journey as much as you want i'm nowhere near like that level if that makes sense right without being said i think the beauty of this podcast like the best lesson it's taught me which i've mentioned her so many times at this point she's been on the podcast a lot i talk about this a lot with cameron rogers she's always yeah see every everybody reacts to everybody loves, loves cameron if she's seen this cameron we all love you oh she better but, be watching in we, like, I met her my last semester of school, and
1: we're just, like, every time I see her, just give her the bigger hug, because she's just, like, she's a sweetheart, and she's a stud, like. Her hugs
0: are the best. Those
1: <laughs> are great she, hugs. And she's always so smiley. She's like, oh, my God. Like, we were, like, doing problem sets for, like, international trailer, like, 2 a.m. She'd always be like, oh, this is so funny. with would be like, Cameron. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, she's awesome. Anyways, like, the best thing she has Sorry, taught me. talk
1: about another person that's super humble. Like, oh my gosh! I shouted out like Dude, in front of the what? whole class, camera, because like the, the like the the professor didn't know we had an Olympian because uh, we won the championship, we went for a study. So I'm like, you know, you have an Olympian sitting over there, like the whole semester. Like the professor's like, what?
0: Dude, like, yeah, she is extremely humble, and now she's she's awesome. She's been we became friends through the podcast pretty much. She's yeah, been here did. multiple times, and anyways, the best thing she has taught me has been uh, that you don't have to be as good athletically per se, right? And I'm not saying I'm not a good athlete. I'm I'm at Cal, right? With that being said, I think, representing your national team at whatever age, winning a national championship, like, it's different for everyone. For Cameron, it was, like, being an Olympian, being in the finals, being number two in the world. Like, it's just different. But what unites us all is, like, the mentality and the way to do things. And people may be, like... And and you can give your take on this, especially being part of an elite team. But... Many people within Cal Athletics, let's say, 900 student-athletes. Oh, there's so many different people and stuff like that. Maybe an interest, maybe athletically, but the way we go about our lives, you'd be surprised by finding the similarities. Like, for example, if somebody looks up Fernando Andrade, calbears.com, Nicos de la dot calbears.com, they're going to be like, huh, Nicos is way more accomplished athletically no, no way. I, I didn't accomplish much athletically trust me you're way more accomplished Okay, and you just look at those stats right but if we sit down and have this conversation and we're talking about oh how we grew up how our parents raised us how this 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 is the excel sheet and it's like whoa we have so many things in common we like not the exact same person but there's little things like that you know
1: there's like I think that you said that right at the beginning of this. I don't know exactly what you said. You said something like, you know, we go through the same thing. Like I think, like, what unites people is, like, the hardships. I think that that's why. Like, that's the, the number one thing. that I. If it was the other way, oh, only the NCAA champions would hang out together. And then only, like, it doesn't work like that. I mean, there is a different level of understanding. But even between a team that's not, as like, at the same tier, let's say, you have people that take things very seriously. So at the end of the day, I think it's like, as you said, mentality, experiences, like culturally, and then what you've gone through, like hardships. Like I've talked with so many athletes, like a lot of athletes in the school from all different sports. And, you know, for some of them, I connect because of, um, you know, backgrounds, culture, country, foreigners, whatever. With others, I connect because, you know, we kind of have the same mentality about some stuff. And with others, I connect because we're just going through the same... Same stuff, like, if I met somebody from a completely different sports that I didn't even know how to play last fall when I was interviewing, he was inter- he or she was interviewing for the same type of role, going through the same stuff, talk about a connection, like, that's, that's what unites us, you know, like, I don't know. that like, you and I, different, like, same backgrounds, but, like, different sports, never really met. We talk, we have, like, aspirations about life. We connect about that, we connect about our past. We talk about books, for example. So, like, yeah, I think we're, everybody, dude, everybody, like, we should do a better job as human beings to connect with each other because we have way more things in common than we're doing in different and it's sad because to see like today like everything is super divisive and like we're all the same at the end of the day like it's I don't know it's a very it's very humbling like everybody's the same everybody goes through the same stuff we eat the same food we like the same stuff it's it's very simple
0: yeah no I agree and I, I think there's beauty in just realizing that and finding that like that's my biggest thing right now like in this current season of my podcasting career so far, I would say is like, what's pushing me and motivating me right now is finding purpose and inspiration through interaction and conversation. Like that's, that's what keeps me going every time I sit down and I'm doing this. It's like, yeah, I, I just wrote it in my notes the other day. Like, and I just had it and it's like, that's what we're doing here. Like finding this, inspiration from what you're doing so that i can do what i want to do or to learn or to just like connect you know and realize like in such a divided world in such a disconnected world in the sense that we're all just looking at some screen or something it's like wow maybe we sit down and have a conversation it's like there's so much more to life and in something as basic as just listening to each other and having a conversation
1: I like that. Like, I don't know. I think that's something that culturally I try to bring a lot to my team and they made fun of me because of that. But we did it a lot back home is having a coffee, man. Like, <laughs> we, need to, we need to teach people here to, like, sit down and have a coffee. Like, it's the best way to connect with anybody. Just, you know, no stresses. Just sit down and talk and you'll see some some pain points are going to come about. It's the same thing. It's, like, easy to connect. But, yeah, I think... It is a skill though to like build connections. Yeah. It's a skill that some people have a little more of a natural tendency. Some people need to work on it, but it's definitely a skill. And wanting to be a leader in a community, in a team, in a family, anywhere, in any setting, like you have to have that number one. That by far, like that's the first thing I learned, and I had to implement in order to like kind of like do what I wanted to do as a captain. Yeah, like bringing people together is the most important thing. And how do you do that by understanding where everybody's coming from and find those common points and like tie them together.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I completely agree, like with that. Um, and then also, I mean, you start, you start talking about like getting here and everything. I just want to touch real quick mm-hmm. on your like representing Greece, right? Um, in Spain. Oh, you represented both. Oh, you mean like a national team? Yes, national oh, team. Oh no, Greece only. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like like in in juniors you were a mm-hmm, world mm-hmm. junior champion. You had this great thing, and fifteen guys from your team. You mentioned two came to the states the other 13 are either in Greece or somewhere else still playing freaking studs they're all like kicking ass yeah <laughs> like me and Odie my friend we
1: were both in the senior team uh, in the in the junior worlds team so we because we didn't like i we won bronze europeans we won bronze europeans in 2018 we got fifth and sixth for uh, europeans and worlds in like 97 98 born and then summer 2017 which i was sorry 2015, I was 17, and 2017, I was 19. Right before I came to the States, we won Junior Worlds. From that team, two of us came to the States. The other 11, one of them is kind of playing a little less, but, like, the other 10 people, six of them went to the senior team that won silver to the Olympics. Yeah. And the other four were either at the preparation, like, out of the 13 people that went there were the other four, like, they're just, like, you know... Some of them playing pro in Croatia, some of them playing pro in Greece, some of them in Serbia right now, just kicking ass. Like, I was so lucky to be part of that generation, and I, and this is not me being humble, like, I was very lucky, like, I was the last person to get into that bus. Like, by all means, the whole summer preparing for that, I was stressing my ass off trying to, like, get into that team, because, first of all, I was super invested, and I loved the guys We were very close, and also because like, he was such a good generation to play. like really It hasn't happened before where a team, a team like Greece goes that well. Usually Serbia, Croatia, Hungary, and Montenegro, maybe Italy. So to have, be part of that was just like, okay, to, for that to be my last game with a national team, winning world championships in Serbia, like it was just you a know, perfect way to close that. And I don't know. It helps you move on because you know that once you come to the States, the kind of dream of going back kind of dies down a little bit. So it was just like spot on.
0: With that being said, like you have that experience, mm-hmm. it makes sense now that you're saying like in the, in the spot on the roster spot and things like that. Yeah. But you mentioned all those countries that are really good in the sport. Historically, have yeah, the best. Once you come to the United States, in a way, it's like you're not, you're no longer aspiring in the sport, or or is that yeah, like yeah, I'm a, assuming that, but I don't know if that's true. It's a combination of things, like you
1: know. You can't, you can't put the blame on both sides. Like, on one side, the bl- the, it's, it's a two-way thing. Like, take me and take the other 11 that stayed back. Take me and my friend that came here and take the other 11. We are playing at a, at a level that's, like, way lower here. Because we're playing in college. They're playing pro with 25, 30, 35-year-old Olympians, like, top teams. So their development is like this and ours is like this. It's still, we might still be developing, but at a way lower pace. Second, even if we're developing, they can't see it. Okay, they can't because streams are. We we're, we don't play good teams for the most part, and there's no quality water polo, so they can't measure us. So there is no like, oh, there is no reason for them really to. You could make an argument that it's worth it to call us every summer, like at least because we're going to be back with our families. Bring us to, to prep with the national team. You know, if we're not good, send us home because that's how preparation works. You start like with a forty people group, and then they start cutting down as they get the tournaments. So. The coaches would be like, you know, why would I watch him and him when I have these two guys that were in the same position playing in Europe and I see them, and I have these two youngins that are also coming. Like, it makes sense on one hand. On the other hand, I do think that it's a little bit of a, like, you know, screw them, they choose school, they can go have their American dreams. So, like, I'm not going to say that doesn't exist, but not for everybody. Like, there were a lot of people that were very, 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 very happy for us to leave. It's just like you have to make choices, and I think that it also teaches you a very good thing about life that, you know, you might want to have everything, but you can't sometimes. And I was very lucky because the last time Greece had a very good generation was about five, six years before me. They were born in 1994-1993. So Out of the about six to seven guys that I know of got offered scholarships for here. Same vibe, because like, from my team, a lot of guys got offered scholarships, but they said no. From my team, that all those guys that got offered, nobody went. Only one guy went. Went to UC actually, was USC's top scorer. Won the the award that Papa won, like the Heisman. He also won it. So went back, went to the Olympics, stud. The other six, five of them, were in my team when I got my offer from Cal. The night that I got my NLI and I was about to go home and sign it, we all went out for the movies. And, you know, I was like, guys, like, you know, they were really close and they were all me like their little brother. I just like, guys, I got my offer from Cal. Like, I'm going to sign it tomorrow. <clears throat> and they were like, listen, one of them turns around in the car. He's like, if you don't sign that letter, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you stayed. He's like, no, all of us should have gone. So all I'm trying to say is that, like, yes, even though you lose opportunities, it's clear like the path that you get to, to carve here. Even though it's harder, it's just like the opportunities are insane.
0: No, yeah. no, that makes complete sense. And Sorry, it, that
1: was a little long-winded answer, but no, I don't know. No, and it, and it
0: works out like for for me, it's just like the understanding of, all right, maybe it's still possible, but not necessarily giving up on the dream. Just. Pushing, putting that one aside while pursuing another one if that makes sense like something you've i've heard you mention is uh wanting to work in the u.s for mm-hmm. example like and to extend the visa in that sense and, and whatever so you were i mean you were still wanting to be a good water polo, polo player clearly and you improved a lot with that here. being s- yeah here but you were chasing another gym that's all i'm getting to like mm-hmm. i mean i think that Wait, the question, what's the question exactly like? So So I'll give you an example with soccer, right? Mm-hmm. At least in, in the United States specifically. Because if it's in Europe, then it's the same argument you're making. But in the United States, there's also a draft for the MLS, so... Uh, the. That's what we're talking about, yeah, yeah. Yes, so it's like, all right, you're in high school, you go to college, and again, best of the best of the best, then you get drafted and you go pro. Those are the steps. So you're still aspiring to be a professional. With that being said, if you're a player from Italy, let's say, you're a player from Roma, and you're playing in the Roma Academy, if you leave Roma to come play college in the in the United States, I mean, it, it's technically like, oh, you're, you're like putting the professional soccer dream aside. That's what I'm asking. You were very clear on, I'm going to put the oh, water polo okay. dream aside and aspire for something else. So, here's the thing, like...
1: I was very fortunate because I was raised by two parents that, like, didn't have much but still made their lives outside of their countries. And that, all, it, it had them a mentality that, you know, we know it's not going to be easy, but we're going to push you to grab because we, you, we know what's out there for you to, like, grab. So, from a very young age, like, I never considered water polo as, like, a and even as I was getting better, I was, like, I kind of, like. I was always like very lucky because I was around my dad a lot and his friends. I was like, I want to build my life profession. Like this sounds very interesting to me. Like I was in a lot of table conversations about like finance, where right? Like I like to hear those things. I'm, like, I was curious. And you know, I talk about this a lot with like guys from the team and I have guys from Greece, like my mentor who's like, was Greece's national team captain for years and he's one of the best players. Like, it's like, what if we were, what would have happened if you came back? Or like, what would I have done if we would have stayed with you? Like would I have worked for you? I'm like, for sure. Like what I'm trying to say is like, I knew there was a future for me if I stayed how, you know, how good that future was in water polo. I don't know, you cannot know because it's sports. There's politics, there's injuries, there's a lot of things. But I also know that, you know, I kind of like want to do something else. And I think that I take, thinking back, I'm very happy I took water polo very seriously through and through all the way. And I didn't be like, okay, I got my scholarship. I'm going to go to Cal, do school, and water polo is going to be like water polo. It was water polo and school. Uh, so yeah, I think that, Going here, I knew that I was officially telling them that you know I have other priorities than water polo, and that is fine. I'm willing to accept the consequences. Does he hurt now and then? Yes. The would I are the Olympics and the goal that I always had? I think every kid has them when they're at some point. I always had them, yes. But you know, I don't think we need, I don't think you need to paint a negative picture in your life about things like. You saw a goal, you recalibrated because we're growing and we're maturing. And, you know, I saw that that was a more important goal. I came here and I was like, wow, there's a whole side of the world that I don't know. And I get to live here. So I'm going to make the most out of it. Yeah. I don't think, I know a lot of athletes from Europe come here for four years and they come back because they don't like it, like part of them. Like, you have to take, you know, your own destiny in your hands. Mine was kind of like forever. Like you're going to go out, study either England or States with a scholarship, which happened. And then from there we're gonna figure out. So I never felt like I was giving up anything because that was never registered in my life, which I think helped me very well, very much making the decision to be like, okay, school, job, stay here, build your future here.
0: Got it. Yeah. Now that makes that makes sense. And it's it's just something that I guess I guess the majority of people have to not accept, but like you said, like. Uh, was just I recorded a few days ago with Elise Beyond, and like a phrase we used is like handle hard better. You know, instead of like giving up, going back, it's we all live through hard things. It's this is hard, or the other option is also hard. But how are you gonna handle hard better? What's the quote that says you know you just have, life is hard, you just have to choose your heart? Exactly, it's choosing your hard. So you choose your heart and then you have to learn how to handle it better, et cetera. But yeah, I, I, I guess I'm also projecting myself a bit in that part because I'm like in the part of, oh, soccer, maybe I can play one more year. Maybe I can. And that's that chapter is closed and I move on and I have other things that I'm passionate about as well. And I was just wondering how you went through that, even though it wasn't obviously you still played four years and we're going to talk about five years and we talk we're going to talk about that. But I don't know, just going from that, championship team yeah. to, to NCAA. Okay, couple things. Number one, uh,
1: it hasn't been completely easy. Like, like, it hasn't been the easiest thing because as much as you don't want to take it, like, being, like, the sport... I don't know if you miss the sport more or the camaraderie. I personally miss the camaraderie, man. I miss the locker room talk, the jokes, like, seeing my... Because I'm a very, like, happy go like, for the most part, person. Like, I miss going to the gym in the morning at 16, just, like, messing up with people that were, like, sleeping, They were pissed off. Like, I miss those things. Because I'm also, like, a people's person, so I need to be around them. So I miss that a little bit. And because I'm working remotely, I never fully, you know, had a a substitute for it. Uh, So on that side, how did I set my mind for it? Just kind of, like, that's how... I've thought about it because I've spoken with other athletes. I just think that's how I operate. Like, what's the next goal? That's that's how it's been. Like I never felt like and also like I don't know how or why I have this, but I always thought it very highly of you know you have to learn to leave things at its highest. You don't want to be the guy that's writing something like too like too much into it. Like and I was very fortunate. Like I left left my club. Last last game of my life with my club, we won the cup. Last game of my life with the national team, we won worlds. Nast game of NC of NCA Waterball won a series. And I've been extremely lucky, but what I am getting to is that I was already going into that game to use this like fancy like I had a, a, a mindset of abundance. Like I was like, I A, I've paid my dues. B, I love the people that are here. Three, no matter what happens, does it doesn't dictate your career or so this means that you're fulfilled. So I was very lucky because I was very fulfilled because, and maybe it's because I always had a next goal. Like I never like sit down. I always have a okay, kid, what's next? Like if you have a task list. If you finish a task list, like on a Sunday where I want to do stuff, like I'll write more things that I want to do. I'm the same way that I operate in small scale or like bigger scale. So for me, I was like, okay, get adjusted to college. Done. What's next? Pick a major. Okay. We picked a major. Didn't get into house. Pick next major. Okay. Get into that major. Okay. How do we network? Okay. What do we want to do? Investment banking. Mm. Consulting. Mm, okay, sales, sounds... Just so, like, always, always having, that like, the carrot in front of you. So you have to go, is it a little bit mentally draining? Probably. Uh, but it just helps you. Like, dude, we're so young. We can do so many things. Like, why don't... Using cliseth, but, like, don't cry that it ended. Like, smile, let it happen. Like, I can't control it. Like, I can do two things. Either pull it too much or to the point where I'm going to be that guy, or be like, okay, you know, I did it. I'm happy with it, and, you know, just move on. Yeah, there's so many things to be accomplished, especially for us. We're at this. Think where we are. Like we're 20 something just graduate one of the best schools in the world. The worlds are oyster, and we should we should look at it like that. So once you start looking at a life like that, and you don't put limitations, I don't think you have a problem handling because there's always something out there.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's great. That's great, and that's kind of yeah. And I, I love that as well because. Okay. Sorry, but
1: the only reason I agree is because obviously I miss my teammates.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I miss the team.
1: Obviously, I miss. When I was here, obviously, I miss the national team and the camps. Obviously, I saw the Olympics and I was super happy for the guys that I knew, but I was also like, ah, oh, imagine if I could have made that. Like, obviously, you have that, but it's healthy. It means that you did, it means that you had skin in the game that you did, and you did the hardest thing, which was to move to the next goal. Because it's easy to stay at something that you're good at and that you know, but moving to the unfamiliar all the time and all the time. Obviously, you're going to have the times, you're going to look back, but you know, whatever, it happens.
0: Yeah, I, I, this is my favorite. one of the, my favorite parts of the podcast, like taking something you say and then, oh, somebody else just said this and all this thing. A few days ago, I was recording with Isabel Ivey, and um, we were talking about the mentality of done next, which is technically what you're talking about, right? Have you, have you read that? It's from Tim Grover. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you read Relentless? Uh, what? Did you read his books or no? I need to. They're on my list. Okay. I have like a 50
1: uh, books on my Amazon card and I just like buy one every month. So yeah.
0: it's, it's, in, it's in there. <laughs> his books for me are right over there. It's. I thought he's written only Winning. Has he written more? Oh, yeah. Winning is a second one. Oh, okay. When, I'm going to ask you about that one when we're done. Yeah. yeah, Winning is a second one. The first one is Relentless. And, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And in Relentless, he talks about the done next mentality, which is what I was talking about with Isabel. My point being... And having that carrot in front of you that you're always chasing always chasing always chasing that keeps you going Obviously Mm -hmm. When Do you need a break though? Like I was talking with Isabel go 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 go? Oh, she she was talking about how they were in a relay They were in last place by the time she went in by the time they got out Podium third place, but she was point zero one away from second place and she was angry about that for five six months at one point, do you have to stop chasing that and take a break? And it's like, hey, celebrate this, you did well, then keep chasing.
1: I think I'm not... In, um, <laughs> What's your take? You can disagree with me. I don't care. No, no, no. I am... Well, y- your point, like, I think that what you're trying to say, like, there should be a point where we have to, like, say good job to ourselves. No, I'm, I'm
0: asking you if there should be.
1: Okay. I. In my opinion, you have to. Okay. And I'm going to open it a little more broadly. I always struggled... Hmm... Okay, if you're like me, and I think a lot of others would identify with this, and especially guys, we don't talk about this a lot, I, self-confidence for me, it's been one of the biggest journeys in my life, athletically and personally. And for somebody like me, I think that I had, I couldn't give myself the pat on the back to be like, take a break. Like, I think that breaks need to be taken strategically so you don't have to need them, uh, so you don't have to take them by necessity. You know what I'm trying to say? So you much rather take a weekend off speaking to myself, than having to get sick from overexertion from two months of going, 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 okay? And I think that I learned to do that very well as an athlete at some point. Like I was very good at the point where like, I knew when I had to take days off, even, and I knew that I was okay with myself taking a day off, even if my coach would be mad at me because I knew. And I would like call him, again, the coach that I was with he'd be like, uh, like, I'm not feeling very well, I'm not really sick, but I'm not going to come, and it was like once every two, three months. He'd be like, ah, oh, whatever, you're just being soft, I'd be like, no, I need this, because I knew, I felt it coming. So, I think that I learned to do that, but because we're high, we're overachievers and if you like struggle with your confidence and you end up measuring yourself only with your achievements, it's almost kind of like a broken dopamine circuit where like you only get um, um, like reassurance about yourself only when you achieve your goals and then every time you achieve a goal is zero because you have more goals. So I think there is a, you have to find a balance, which I, I think it's a work in progress for all of us at this level between the, okay, let's not stop, but let's pace ourselves. You have to learn. Everything is cyclical. You can't just be red all the time. You just can't. Everybody like has days off. Some people need more, some people need less. Some people can operate with like six hours of sleep. I wish I was that and I've tried. I can't, I can't. Like I get myself sick. I physically try to sleep six hours. I can't. So like personal examples. So I think that, you know, one is that you need need to learn to pace yourself. What you were referring about Isabel and the race, it's also like, you know, being too hard on yourself, but also pushing yourself to get better so I think those two are interconnected I think that as athletes we need to understand that quite frankly like we're pretty far ahead for our age so let's not you know tackle ourselves let's think about how we can you know figure out our own limits push them a little bit and then pull back push them and go back it's the same thing with the gym like you're not gonna be operating at a one rep max all the time you need to go through those phases of like you know three sets of eight seven at eighty percent so you can build that one rep max so again a little bit of a long answer but it's difficult because you measure we athletes tend to measure our, our uh, selves by our achievements and by our task lists but we're way more than that we need to like have a healthy conversation with ourselves now and then say like listen like you need this you deserve this and you should give yourself but if you cannot like tell yourself you deserve this at least understand that you need this tactically so I guess what I'm trying to say is like you need to take break tactically and then you have to take it a step back and be like listen to like you've done so much let's take a break so we can go at it on
0: Monday again exactly and I don't know if that makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense and now to to connect it with the time you at Cal you go from those highs which to your point you never dragged it right last last game with your team you won the cup then with the national team you won the championship you show up to Cal 2016 inspired you you're ready to go no championships I'm sensing a bit of stubbornness only because I was the same way my first two years if they're not going to be that way i'm not going to adapt if they're going to be like this i'm not going to adjust i'm going to stay by myself i'm going to stay in if they want to go out i'm not going to go out and what happened there how did you adjust how was your journey then because right now it's 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 always nice to say it in retrospect right and to reflect on it but how were those first two years for you and what headspace were you in Hard, man. They were hard.
1: Uh, did I learn about it? Absolutely, like an immense amount about myself. But they were hard because I. So I come in, even though, and this is kind of like something that tends to help me a lot of times with athletes. Like I would, I had like a decently successful path up until then, and I wasn't like you would think that a guy coming in with my experience and my resume, you would have would have a little bit more self confidence. I didn't have any. I was going through a, like a tough last year in Greece where I didn't get to play very much because I was leaving and they didn't use me very much in the team because they were investing in younger guys so they like, you're gonna leave anyways. So that plummeted kind of my um, my confidence and, my, and I was already going through like a period of my, where I was finding myself. Uh, so again, going back that year before was hard. Don't get the play time I want, very insecure. My abilities didn't go up as I wanted them to be. Like I was in a certain trajectory and like it tempered a little bit. So coming into the first semester, like I think like a freshman, you can't, a freshman can only do, like, anything that a freshman brings to the table, it's positive. Like, I think I don't think you can expect freshmen to hold a lot of ends of a bargain. They just need to pass school, don't do anything stupid, that's going to get them in trouble, and just, like, perform at least decently in, in, uh, in water bowl. And I had a good season. Like, I had a good season. School was tough. I screwed up my enrollment over the summer because I didn't know how Cal work worked, and I ended up taking four breaths, and they kicked my ass. So I, but I survived, and it was good because I had the the team and the traveling. The team didn't do well because we weren't close. Um, And we had one of the best teams, and, well, they had the best team of the year, but, like, one of the best teams I've seen in college for my last five years. And we got, we lost in semis, which for water polo, especially our team, wasn't, like, a success. Uh, Come back home, whatever. You start spring training. That was rough. I never had to, now I wake up, like, at 5.30 and 6 regularly. I never had to wake up at, like, 5.30 before in my life. I didn't know... How to adjust my sleep schedule? I don't know how to do all that stuff. So it was very tough. Uh, I took a couple hard classes, which went well, but it was it was it was hard, man. I took my first English writing class. That was that was an experience. Uh, and then to cap it off, my I couldn't go home in the summer because I needed to take summer classes, which was very hard. As I'm very very much a body and I'm very close with my family, and I ended up from how stressed and tired and. Probably looking back, I was a little depressed. Like I know that word gets thrown around, but I was probably a little depressed. Uh, I wasn't doing very well. And again, held it out to myself. Nobody knew what's going on. Uh, about 25th of July, I come back from like a one week break and do a test set and five, six hours later, like my heart rate starts going from like 60 beats per minute to like 130, like up and down, up and down, up and down. So I had an AFib, which is basically your topic. I think it's called like that. People don't come for me. Uh, Top two atria and top bottom atria uh, beating at a different pace. My heart going up and down, trying like, bring them at the same pace. Impossible. Go to the ER. Long story short, end up getting defibrillated to, like, reset my heart rate. Mind you, I've been 11 months in the States. have had this shitty spring of the year. Stayed all summer alone in Berkeley. And just, like, that happened. And that was a kind of, like, okay. That was the first moment, really, in my life where I was kind of, like, you know, even my parents who, like, have always been, like, kind of, like, okay, let's try and do this. They called me. They were, like... Do you want to come home? Like, it's okay. Uh, like, we know you like to push up, but it's okay. And I remember that conversation. I was, just, I started crying, but I was like, no freaking way. <laughs> there's no way I'm coming back. Uh, thank, thanks to sports for this, because uh, there's nothing can teach you to go after a goal like sports, I think. Second year, kind of same thing. Worst team, bad season. Just uh, difficult times, man. I wasn't close with the team again, as I said. I take full responsibility for that. I didn't know. Do I think that they could have done a little better job of understanding me that I was kind of like, you know, closed off and I wasn't having a good time? Yeah, but, you know, everybody's going through their own stuff. So, uh, yeah, second year was kind of bad. Spring was bad as well. Um, in the spring, I also had another medical medical emergency. I had to go to the ER again. I had to stay in the hospital for one night, which, you know, again, you're not even full two years at Cal. And I've had, had a very good experience in any, in any, uh, in any like segment, like, not a lot, I wasn't going out very much. Like I met so many people, junior and senior year, when I actually like was happy with myself and connected with my team and started going out. And I was like, imagine how many people would have met. Like you know, so many people from like all those freshman orientations, the freshman parties. I never went to that stuff. Not because they didn't invite me. Like I just disconnected myself, and I just like. And that's why I talk a lot about mental health because, like, I a, should have spoken to people. Two, I should have told myself that it's okay. And three, like, I don't know. I hope there was a culture around me that you know would have been like, "Hey, what's up?" So, again, those first two years really tough. Uh, and like, I wasn't. Again, it also stemmed from like, like self love and self confidence. Like, I wasn't confident who I was. I wasn't confident with who I was in water polo because of how I came in and the team wasn't doing well and I took a lot of it up on myself. During the spring off-season tournaments I got into fights which I never did. So you know it's kind of like that phase where you see like in movies like the guy is like not himself. Like I wasn't myself. And something kind of changed in my junior year. I kind of like sat down with myself and I was like okay let's clean slate. We're kind of like halfway through and we find a little bit of a direction forced myself to make a couple more friends, and, you know, one link led into the other, and I started doing better school, better water polo, better this, better that, and I just built a life here that I love.
0: That It's it's not that I'm smiling at all because it's funny. I'm smiling oh, because serious, that was... Serious, uh, serious. That, yeah, <laughs> just put it down. There's probably a lot of people that relate to that. I fully relate to that. That's why I'm smiling. Like, literally, literally, I just had those thoughts, especially after, like, yesterday and this past week that we were just done with season. Like, I'm looking around, and it's like damn, where were these friends for me my first two years? And I only started making them until my junior and senior year. Why? Confidence plays a role in things like that. But I went through, I mean, it's like diagnosis, this way, but similar to what you're saying, an identity crisis, right? And a lot of anxiety and things like that. That's literally what I went through. I went to therapy for that and it helped me. But, I mean, my therapist really, really helped me out with that being said. It was like he was guiding me more than doing it for me, obviously, because what you're saying is the same thing I did. I ended up sitting myself down and it's like, who do you want to be and how are you going to get there? Pretty much like that's the only way to do it. And my freshman year, I mean, soccer wise, I struggled a lot. Those first years, just for context, freshman year, I registered pandemic hits in the spring. I come back for COVID season, tear my meniscus three games in and that kicks me out sophomore and junior season because it was spring and to to fall and then i played here and and like it, it's weird it's not even an excuse but it's weird because the one season that i was fully available we get a new head coach so it was like it, it was so many different things but like you said you have to control what you can and it, those were the lessons i started to implement into my life and i'm not sure if that's how you sat yourself down or, or what you did to to even get there in the first place,
1: I think that I, I've always I've always been and this is something I struggle with and I work with all the time. Huge people pleaser. And why I started with this is because I was measuring my worth about what everyone else thought of me or what I thought they thought of me, which is like a completely like overthinking. Just like you take a thing and you pull it, you take it, you extrapolate it too much.
0: Yeah, th- there's actually th- this quote that's like, uh, I'm not what i think i am and i'm not what you think i am i am what i think you think i am if that makes sense mm-hmm. and that i feel mm-hmm. like that's what you're saying
1: and well speaking of one of the quotes that i said to a lot of my people that, that come to me and they ask asked myself i'm like listen the first thing i started telling myself is like i am who i am who i'm not i'll never be like and you have to know who you are and it's not easy but something Cal forces you to do is you figure out who you are so going back to that, I just kind of like someone myself I'm like, okay, listen, like you can't keep doing this to yourself. Again, talking to the third person, talking to myself. Uh, you just cannot keep like measuring yourself about everything. Like do what you best. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, to put it simply, I figured that, you know, I have to do what makes me sleep well at night and to like stop wondering, like accept that some people are just not going to like you, man. You're not going to click. They're not going to hate you, but you know, no, I'm not going to click. And... I did the thing for many, many years, and it's part of, like, why <clears throat> I came in so insecure secure accounts because I tried to, like, go and tend to everybody's like this, and people sense that, and, you know, you have to be who you are and obviously be kind, obviously be, do good. But I think for someone like me, like, that was my default setting. I just need to be, like, more secure with who I was. Start doing that. I think that, you know, you had a therapist, and I wish I, I had gone to one. I think that one of the – I discovered a person on the internet that, like, really shaped a lot of my mindset in a lot of things – Mainly leadership, but also personal. Which was, do you know who Jocko Willing is? With Jocko Willing, of course. Yeah, yeah. So he, I think that if anybody asks me about leadership and about like captainship, I'm like, open up his YouTube channel and start.
0: His daughter went here. I know. Yeah. I,
1: did, I, I found that out later because like I used to post a lot of his stuff. And like a couple of my buddies asked me, I'm like, you know that he's there? I'm like, no, never. And I was like, I don't know. When I was in San Diego, down there, I was like, this close to go to his gym. I'm like, let's 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 not. But very very influential figure for two reasons. One, because I learned a lot about leadership. And by learning through lit- about leadership, I learned a lot about myself. Why do I say this? Because to, to, number one thing for leadership is to like, understand people. How do you understand people? You need to build compassion. How do you build compassion? You need to go talk to them. When you go talk to them, you can't have an ego. You can't be insecure because they might snap at you. They might tell you something. They might be angry. That's fine. You need to be secure with yourself so you can let them talk to you. So it was that process where I was kind of like, okay, let's see how I can become a better leader. And you know when you see like this Navy SEAL tough guy telling that you have to understand where everybody's f- comes from, and I thought it was all like you have to lay down the law, which is not the case. Uh, and you know that kind of like transformed me a lot because I got kind of found a purpose in found a purpose in the thing and in leadership and in the team, and I fell in love with the team, fell in love with that apart from water polo. And you know, I if you ask the guys from my class when I got named captain, people were very worried because they thought I was going to go full on my way or the highway whatever and it was just because i knew that was the perception i had for two years because again i tried to impose my culture on everyone every single point but i just changed that because that and that was so big because you know that's it's good to build relationships and i like, can help me and help me understand people and i got super close with everybody so win-win but going back to that yes it was definitely something i did that and it was kind of like the jordan peterson detail thing of like start making your bed and then then you can take on the world. So I started cleaning off my internal and external stuff, and then from there, at the same time, build my leadership skills and start like rebuilding myself.
0: Yeah, and I mean to to Jocko's point, the book that I have read uh, or the book that he has that I have read is the dichotomy of Leadership. And it's literally in the title, right? The fact that it is a dichotomy goes to show how you have to play around with that and how you have to find a balance and how it's contradicting at times. But that's the point, and so is life. You know, I think I always say that sports are a metaphor for life. But leadership is, and it's not a metaphor for life. It's how it works because it's you have everywhere to. In because, yeah, you have to apply it in everything that you do. And sometimes you're the leader. And if you tend to be a natural leader per se, obviously you have to work on it. But if you, naturally that's who you are, you tend to do that in mostly everything you do. At times, I think you have to sit down. Accept that you're not going to be the point leader. You're going to bring things to the table, but you have to learn as well from other people so that then you can implement it yourself. Point being, you have to do that in the all your life. It's not a metaphor for life because it is life. It's how it works. You have to
1: lead everything. You have to lead yourself. You have to lead your relationships. And as you said, like why learning leadership is so humbling is because you need to understand that in order to lead, you need to allow people to lead you. They need to because Because think about this. Understanding where somebody's coming from is letting them lead you into where they wanna go, okay? And for you to listen, you need to like, put yourself under them and let them talk to you. And you can only do that if you're good with yourself. Like, again, you need to learn how to handle things with grace to connect with people. Some people are gonna be angry, and in order for them to like, let their guard down and for you to lead them, you need to like, be able to take that, and you need to be secure with yourself, man or woman, you need to be who, like sure of who you are. So you know, they might tell you something, they might just be like, hey, what's up, what's going on? Instead of snapping back. So I think, yeah, like, and as you said, it's dichotomy. You have to play with, there's never a right answer. It's always like a percentage. Sometimes 40, 60, sometimes 70, 30, sometimes 51, 49. You never, you have to figure out on the spot. So yeah, that was definitely, i would say that was like the most important thing that just kind flipped flip the switch. I was kind of like, yeah, like, this is what I like to do. Apparently there's other ways to do it. Apparently you can lead people without just yelling at them, which it's the Eastern European way. That's how I was, I was taught at, at the teams back home. So, you know, it was very interesting to discover that and kind of like see it come to fruition. To fruition and the way it ended, like the stuff that I heard from my teammates and my coaches like at the last year banquet at the end of the year, last year was just very rewarding because it was like, Yes, like, you put the work and like you turned yourself into the leader you dreamed to be.
0: Yeah, know and, and that's an amazing journey, and it's obviously like why we're having these conversations today as well. Yeah, <laughs> what year was it that you got named captain year, junior year? It was right
1: the spring of 2020, it was junior year.
0: Junior year, okay, yeah,
1: so I was captain for two years because I did four and a half, so I did my Second half of the junior year, all of the senior year, and then the first semester of my fifth year, because yeah. I did four and a half.
0: Yeah. So, you I got
1: captain like a, minute, a, a month before the pandemic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is an entire mess in and <laughs> of itself as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the reason I was asking that, you mentioned purpose, mm-hmm. right, before that. Do you think you found your purpose at Cal thanks to that leadership role?
1: Man, that's a good question. Uh, did I find my purpose? I was always a kid that would like, you know, speaking of Jack Willing, he speaks a lot of leadership vacuums. But there's a time. Leadership vacuums, when you're in a group of people, something shit goes down or shit goes sideways. And like everybody, everybody's quiet. And everybody's waiting for somebody to jump up and take a decision. And that's a leadership vacuum. Somebody's waiting for a leader to step up. I was always that kid. We had an issue. We had a disagreement in class. I would always sit down try to sit down with people and try to communicate. Sometimes it was perceived well, sometimes it was perceived badly. Especially as I, grow, I started growing up and I started being a little more stern, it was a little harder for me to communicate with people. So I always had a tendency for it. My, did I, is that my purpose? Uh, I don't know, but it's something that fulfills me very much. Like I think that as I'm growing up, I like it. So maybe it is like, just never thought about that. Uh, I like to lead teams. Especially the way it happened the last two years, like I want to do that very soon again because I love that. I love the bringing people together, the 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 motivating people towards a, a common goal, going through the ups and the downs. So I didn't find exactly purpose, but I found direction through leadership. Yeah, it was it's rather one of my purposes. I don't know what my purpose is. Like, is. like I think everybody should like trying to do good and stuff. But like other than that, I don't know if that's my sole purpose. But I do have a tendency. I love it. I studied and I will always study because it just I love it so much and I think you can never be you know the best at it. So yeah it was it was something that just kind of kept me going.
0: Yeah you yeah, know and I, I completely agree with that and the reason I was asking is because it also happened to be that my junior year is when I started to feel comfortable here precisely because I found a purpose which was that part of that identity mm. crisis for me oh, you're not playing, oh, you're not getting along with the people on the team, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to find something that keeps me going? To the definition of depression, right? Which I don't use lightly at all, and I'm not going to self-diagnose my past self at all, but depression is when you can't find a purpose, right? It's A lot of people think Mm -hmm. that it's when you're sad. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that you're sad, it's just you don't really find a purpose. You're kind of
1: directionless, you would say. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's not like, I'm, I'm not an expert or anything, it's just That's just the truth. Like, it is what it is. And when you find that purpose, your life just becomes that much more happier and better. I'm not going to say my life is perfect, but that helped me there. And what I found junior year was this. Like, it's thanks to this, honestly, and it sounds so weird because it's like you're just sitting down and talking to people. But the way it gave me confidence to do this with anyone outside is what I sense that happened with you in leadership. You gained leadership with your yeah, teammates. Yeah. Yeah. And that impacted all your other relationships in your life. And it was also like a
1: very now that I think two things. First of all, and I'm to say this you inspire me very much by this and I don't say lightly this is very inspiring and like the way you do it, I don't I don't think that other if other guests haven't told you enough is because probably it doesn't come in conversations. But like dude, this is seeing somebody like start something and bring it to life and see it evolve is beautiful and it's very inspiring to me. I always wanted to make contact and I think you're doing Phenomenally, thank you. Um, but what I was going to say is that she was saying. I thought about this. So I'm a very protective person, and in my darkest times, on my junior year, when it was kind of the inflection point, I found my team because our team was doing the worst as ever done in the last twelve years. However, it's when it started feeling the closest. It was every, every like night out together. It was the whole team. It was karaoke nights. It was this. It was that. It was she so was there for me, and because of that, I got and because I was also one of the oldest people. I got super protective over it. Number one, I got super protective over it because it was, I felt like I was protecting my people by trying to be a good leader. Number two, I, I felt like I owed them because even if they didn't know, they were there for me in a way that nobody else was. And number three, I have a huge sense of uh, commitment and a huge sense of like, I owe, I owe stuff. I truly believe when they say the team, like you should leave the cup or the, or the jersey on a better place, that is something I was taught in my club team from day one. So it was a combination of the Jewish kind of like, okay, I had the group. I started developing the skills. I had the platform. Like my coach was super good at like giving me the dance floor to like do what I wanted to do in terms of like trying stuff. So it was a combination of timing, purpose, the people, and who I am. Because it was it came from a lot of things. It came from like protection from the team, from like sense of in in a healthy way of like that like you owe to the program. So all those things just like drove me through. Like and what you're saying, like I became a completely different like person. Completely different Nicholas in terms of like how I speak, how I carry myself, how I stand, like everything. And it's a work in progress for like looking back, like I was so like fresh myself. Maria, because I had such an issue with self-confidence, I was just like, I was like, oh, whatever, like, you know, I didn't want to go. out. I wasn't feeling happy with myself and now it's just different. And big, big part of it is that I discovered myself through leadership. So, yeah, that's, you want to call it purpose, you want to call it like a big chunk of my life It be part of who I am. Yeah, like that's something definitely, I'm, something's part of me.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't limit it to being your purpose, but I think, like you said, I think it drives mm-hmm. it, per se. For sure. Like, for example, something that literally, just to connect all those points, this podcast specifically, right? Like, there's this thing. I explained it to Marcos Rico when he was here. Uh, do you know Simon Sinek, speaking of authors? Start with yes, Wyatt. yes, 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 yes. Now, I had to connect the first name, yes. Do you, have you seen that Start With Why TED Talk or no? Is the one he talks about the Seals? Uh... It's not specifically in that one, but he, Oh, anyways, no, it's no set it's it together, but the thing is, like, it's one of the most famous TED Talks ever, and it's Start With Why, which he later made a book, and it's the golden circle, right, so there's the what and the how, but if you don't have the why, then you're not gonna get to anything, and I explained it to Marcos, I was saying, alright, what, podcast, how, you get some mics, you get lights, you get your cameras, the monitors, whatever you want, But the why, but the why, the why. And that's why, like, I started out with, like, it's called denting, obviously, yeah. but it's to leave your dent in the universe and inspire others to do the same. And to me, like, the way I do it is to what you were saying, in uh, español, tirándome las flores, te las de regreso. No. Like, if you're going to me compliment me, I'll compliment you. If it's not already obvious, like, the only reason people ask me like how do i find guests or how do i like what do they have to do do they have to win ncaa championships do they have to be olympians and it's like no they just have to inspire me in one way or another that's that's pretty much it and i think that's the why right there at least for me it's like gaining inspiration from someone to pass it on to somebody else to pay it forward to somebody else if you're doing that to me I'm going to try and find three people who can individually pass it on to three people and then it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. With that being said, I'm not going to say that, oh, Nikos, as a captain, that's why he had found uh, purpose and happiness. But no, it allowed you to explore it into who you were, I think. And, and I'm, I'm only saying that as a as a projection of my own experience, literally. Not as a captain, but with this thing, and it's just finding, again that purpose and meaning through interaction, conversation, and the bond, which I know you're big on, on having that close bond, and every team that you've been on, like, having a good bond, which is something that, at least for me, is interesting, right? Because I can, without... I could go from you said about the bonds. Yeah, I mean, w- w- without, without knowing your team well, I think it's, from an outside point of view, seeing guys go out in season and still be able to win things I don't know how that works we in all honesty we maybe shouldn't be saying this that we're going out in season but yes <coughs> do you want me to cut uh-huh. it no? I can no, cut fine, it if you want it's fine, it's fine. Okay. no but but I wasn't going to say like. I, oh. think,
1: I think that you can look at sorry to interrupt you I think that you can look at this both ways and because I come from Europe and the drinking culture is different like, you can look at people going out in season two ways first right. of all what do they do second of all how do they, like how do they react? Like you can go out and be respectful and like you know everybody take care of each other, or you can go out and like derail your season and your team. So sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I'm I'm by no means like what I was getting to yeah, yeah. when but I, I say. I know you weren't getting into that. Like I
1: know you you hold the high our team in high regard. Like that what you were saying. Very,
0: yeah. uh, whoever, if anybody's gonna take this the wrong way, directly to the camera. <laughs> men's water polo and I mean both water polo teams have. All my respect. We have we have a good crew, I would say. Uh
1: sorry, do you want to finish the sentence before I
0: Oh, so so what I wanted to say is yeah. every successful team you've been on, you've said has close bonds. Yeah. Very close. And that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe it was going through tough times, but don't you think to a certain extent, like that going out. And I'm not saying I'm not saying getting fucked up. I'm not saying getting shit-faced. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying the fact that you are socializing together makes you a better team. And I'm asking this because, same with us, right? We're going through a very low moment. New head coach, who's a great head coach, but we struggled this season. But our bond, it has changed so much over the
1: years. Okay, that's a great point because I was kind of like alluding to it before like I didn't go out I didn't get to know my team the first two years and it was my fault the minute I made made that mental switch in my head and I started being like okay a you have to go out so the kids need to know you they can't even they can't just know you in the field there is there is the okay there is that we need to do things together but there is the also like there is groups in the teams they're not cliques they're just groups it's a group of 20 plus people there is no way you can get 20 people to agree on something to do for the whole night. You can agree for them to be at a certain point for a little bit, which is what matters, but, you know, just to preface that. Now, I thought that it was kind of like, we don't need to go out, it's just like, you practice together and whatever. Wrong, Nikos, very wrong. And Nikos realized that at some point. I was like, okay, I need to force myself to go out. Because I, as much of an extrovert as I am when I'm out and I'm networking, I'm very introverted many times. Like, I'm just like, don't talk to me. Let me go home, barbecue a steak and watch a movie and let me go to sleep at 9 p.m. alone. So I, and that was what I was before. And I had to, to be like, you have to go out, man. Like, you have to. You can't, you can't expect from people. Why? Because when you go through those experiences, you have to be strong going into the experiences to make it stronger. It's not that you're just going to come close together. Going through a city season, it would have been the same if we just, like, started fighting. But we went through a city season and we just started coming together. We're like, every Sunday, we just, like, go out together just to restart so we can get through another week because it sucks. Like especially, like, halfway through the season when you're knee deep. Like, dude, like, our program doesn't lose more than four or five games. Uh, five? at uh, Four. We were almost at a f- uh, 500 record. Like, thir- we finished the season 13-11. That's unheard of. Like, alumni were kind of like, what, what are you doing? So, going through that season, it was just kind of like, okay, let's come together. Let's get through the next Saturday. Oh, we lost the game. All right. Go home, cry for a little bit. See you guys at, X's, at X House. And let's go out. Let's go sing together. Let's go, you know, remember that we're hearing this together and we're doing our best. Um, so that's kind of something that I had to understand is very important because you can't expect, and it kind of goes along the same thing that you need to like go and meet somebody in the middle. Like you need to understand their ways of going out and their culture if you wanna, if you wanna like positively influence them. Something again, Jack Owen talks about. It's called conform to influence. It's the first thing that I had to learn. Conform to influence basically means that if you want to steer somebody in the right direction, you can't, you can't go and tell them this is how we do it. If you want to redirect a body of like a, a stream, you're not going to put a dam in it to take. You're going to like slowly just like build it. So it's the same thing. You have to be part of the group so you can start suggesting stuff. You can suggest the same thing to a team, and if they perceive you as part of the group, they're going to listen to you as hard as that might be. If they don't, good luck, bud. So, like, I, and I was, I wasn't, like, an easy-going cop. I was, like, I had a tough conversation with people. That's why, at the end of the day, I think that I was good because they knew I was 100 with them. But the reason I was able to sit everybody by the local and be, like, listen, guys, like, this is unacceptable is because they knew, like, I'm out with you. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, you know, we have to do this. So, number one, you need to go with a group so they know that you're part of them. And then you have to prove them that you have the best interest in the group because they knew that I had no personal interest in, like, shitting on somebody or, or the group other than us winning a championship. But I couldn't convey that unless unless I was there with them. And as you said, through tough times we came together. And it also comes to a beautiful point where they know Fernando's threshold is like 10.30 p.m. Nikos is like 9.30. X is like 1.30. It's his vibe, but we know, A, he's going to be with somebody. He's going to get home. If he doesn't, we're going to deal with this internally very well, very quickly, and we're going to include the coach if we want to. And then from there we're going to go. Because like that's different culture of trust, man. And you're gonna go through shitty stuff. Like we're in college, we're young. Shit's gonna come up. The way you deal with that stuff, the way you go through hard times in practice or outside, like everything brings you together.
0: Yeah, hundred no, percent. And I think that's something the team is currently going through. Like you said, obviously there's gonna be clicks. Obviously there's gonna be like different groups, and that's part of it. And our team, is especially like thirty of us, that's a lot of people to get together. How many are internationals? Fantastic question. In your name? <laughs> and you're, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this currently one no way oh we have like seven last year I, I know you guys. you guys have way more than us so for us it was california only up until our new head coach is coming in and that's going to change oh, a no, bit kidding. of yeah so it was california only oh. like international would be considered like me and juan because juan was born in madrid i'm from san diego but like cross oh, okay. the border every okay. single day so it was like oh so they are like not californian a thousand percent which i mean we kind of are juan moved to california when he was in sixth grade and i was born and raised in california i just like slept for a few years in mexico but crossed the border every single morning right like we are very california heavily influenced with that being said now there's a kid from tokyo and i don't know if i'm missing somebody else first oh uh, we have a, a new a new one he transferred this year he's from nigeria uh, but he's been living in the States for a while as well. It's not directly, besides the kid from Tokyo, who, he has all my respect. Like, he learned English. He's a sophomore right now. Three semesters, his English is great. Has, like, balled out in school. He's a very good player. So, very proud of him. But with, with that being said, um, we're going through that part of the of the bond and trying to figure it out. And with with 28 of us trying to get on the same page is hard, rarely do we are we able to like fully have us be on the same page when we hang out, whether it's like going out or just socializing here. With that being said, I think since our bond is only growing, that's only gonna be better for the program in terms of yeah. results.
1: Also like let's keep it real, because like <laughs> we've been in teams and people that listen to certain teams there aren't always people, like, not all people are going to want the best of the team. Some people are selfish. Some people are know they're not going to play in their selfish. Like, you don't really, and this isn't this is just me being keeping 100% real. Like, listen, you need the key contributors, however many they are, in a team, 15, 10, 15, I don't know, in a football team, they are more, in a soccer team, they are less, but they're more than water polo. You need them to be on the same page. From there, you need to start drawing people into the mission. You need to start with a group. And then from there, everybody understands, like, dude, like, all I can do is go, like, and I told them, like, everybody gets the same rank. Everybody gets a ring. So, number one, everybody gets a rank. Number two, and this is something that needs to be said, and this is something that I, I always say to any person that's a like, captain. I'm like, you have to explain your team. There are roles. There is a reason there's first, second place, third place, and there's a reason there's players that play more and play less. You can either, you know, you can either accept that and work towards a common goal, or you can be like, no, I want to play even though it's going to hinder the results of the team. So that's also something that, like, Coach and leadership, player leadership need to convey. Cause let's keep it real, like people want to play sometimes, they don't care if they're gonna win, and that's not how sports work. They're not. So that was something that you know. I was kind of like very adamant with them. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and hold your hand if you're telling me that you want to play, but I can clearly see why you're not, like, I'll tell you why, and I can help you all that you want. I'm all for help. But you also have to be very willing to like put in the work and like maybe not get the gratification of like playing as much as you want to because there is people that you know their parents their friends they tell them they should be playing better but the reality more but the reality is that they shouldn't this is not controversial it's like you just ask around the team and they tell you like the depth are more or less it's not you know it's made because of reasons yeah. sports reasons so I think that those are all things that you have to juggle and as a good captain you can't blow people off you gotta like half build that report and be like you know that Nikos wants the best of the team but you also know that Nikos is gonna give you an honest opinion and also know that he's gonna help you if you if you want so those two things I think you have to establish those with your team as a captain for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that and
1: Sorry, I, what you're saying is like because in your team, for example, you may be having a bad season may everything everybody thinks that they can solve the problem playing wise, but like that's not the case. You need to come together and you you'll figure it out. The coach is there for a reason. You just need to like bring the people together.
0: I think especially like since I'm in the senior class, like those graduating, they can already tell that within the first few years there's going to be a huge change. Like we fully trust our head coach. Great. We know it's the best thing for the program. Obviously it's frustrating in the first season, maybe second after that, we know it's going to be figured out. But I think that if you don't have that bond from the beginning, th- there's not much to say. And and that's what I was getting to from the very beginning. I think it's something admirable from your team because for other teams, it's like, Oh, they could hurt the performance, oh this and that. It's, it's not about the athleticism at that point. It's the bond that you're talking about and that you've, prioritize so much and with that being said you're talking about that change obviously in terms of results we can see it but how was it internally like what are the people not seeing that that changed so much to become a winning program to the point where you're at today again
1: lots of i mean what changed to make it a winning program again
0: Uh... i mean you're talking about having some of the best teams on paper but results-wise, to your guys' standards, it's not the same as always. And by the end of your career, you're winning the NCAA championship again, so. You need, like, I think that could be a whole
1: podcast on its own, but <laughs> it, like, you, think you need a lot of things, man. First of all, you need to be lucky. You need the recruitment to align. And so, number one, right off the bat, my junior year, we got a freshman class that had Papa in it and had, like, a bunch of, like, super solid, like, you know what you call a culture addition, that's culture, guys. So it's like from freshman year, they were part of the boys. They made the boys the boys. So it's never a one-person effort. It's just like everything clicks just well. So timing and luck is very, very important and recruiting-wise. So we had a great class of freshmen, and it was kind of – have a couple of people. So they come in freshmen. The sophomores at the time are kind of like good, and they're developing to really good two or three of them. And then you have me and a couple – two more guys in the class above and we have two seniors so they left so we were bottom heavy so that's good because you have young studs that want to train they want to go out and like do team stuff they don't have a lot of school really because it's freshman year like they figured it out fairly quickly and so we could focus on that so number one is that luck number two you just have to try stuff you're going to have to see what works for the team like as a captain i try to do a lot of different things and man like some sticks, something doesn't like. I might love this team activity that I have in my mind, but if 99% of the team doesn't like rock with it, why would I push it? Just like that's terrible leadership. You just have to, you have to read, you have to go and see what the troops are feeling. And you have to conform to influence. If the influence is going to go away, you like, you think you have to go away, at least it's a make it or break it thing, which there's very few in sports just to let them be so that a team a good team is a living organism like my coach uh, coach Kirk always said this like this team is very special and the group is a part of this team and that was something that I never wanted to touch as a captain like a group is an organism and my only job was to just kind of like okay I arguably have a little more experience from playing overseas so just give it give that organism that team a couple nudges towards the right direction and kind of like you know Trying to temper the enthusiasm from lack of experience was like the most challenging thing. Yeah. Because you want to win, you're hungry, but you have all these teams that have been to NCAA three years in a row, and we roll COVID year into NCAA in the semi final, even though we have basically steamrolled everybody and we lose to like a USC that was missing like two players. Why? Uh, experience, probably. And that's why we walk into the semi final nine months later and we're just like, we go overtime we UCLA, like everybody just like, no problem. Dealt with business. Final, we're down two goals, I think. Brought it around fourth quarter, we're up, cleaned up, and left. Like, always, a clear, uh, like, close games, but we were able to clean it up because, I don't know, we just did the work before, and I mm-hmm. wish I could tell you, like, a list of things, but no, I think... No, no. I think that the chemistry is there. I think it's part of it. its luck, and also, it's like, again, dude, COVID, like, again, we... And I said this on my interview uh, right after Insta Blaze. I said, I put these kids for everything. Well, I put these kids? Like... I asked them to do so many things, and the fact that we went through this, it spoke about how hungry we were and how much we loved being with each other, like, do we, do you know where San Francisco Aquatic Park is? You know what that is? No. So, in the north part of San Francisco, right next to the docks, there's like a, there's like a bay, like, a little enclosed. We would go there in the summer, and it was like five, 55 degree water, we'd go there and like throw in a water polo kids and play, or swim. And I, like, I organized practice at 7 in the morning there, in San Francisco, like, Nobody had to come, but there was an understanding that was kind of like, okay, we talk all that smack about how we want to win a ring. They saw what we need to do. We did book club. We read uh, Legacy, the, the book about the old blacks. I've read that book like three times.
0: We literally just read it. Our new head coach comes in and it's like, you're all going to read this. That's
1: the first, that's the book that got me into leadership, I would say. Right before I discovered like Jack style, that was the first book I read. But so back to the point is, yeah, it's like, Is that. And it's also like the things like that. And the stress and, like, going through the shitty seasons also. big. Not that you need shitty seasons to be a good team, but, like, that definitely reinforces a strong team spirit. That happened with the national team, too. Like, the fact we won Worlds because we got our asses kicked in both Euros and Worlds the year before, and we watched everybody else take the podium. Like, those things build your team, and they're like, okay, this is what we could have won and we didn't, so let's go get it next year.
0: Yeah. During during that COVID year, because obviously it was 2021 when you guys won the, the national championship, which was... It was weird because there was two seasons, like yeah. you said. It was a COVID season in the spring and then the actual season in the fall, which is when you guys win. Um, were you here during all of COVID or did you go back home? Yeah, I stayed from, I came in, I flew in January 2020 and I went
1: back home November 2020 for a month. Okay. Uh, I stayed because I wasn't sure what the heck was going to happen with the visas. So, Because back then, back then there was a clause that if you left the country for five months, they could, uh, I think, revoke your F1. Which it wasn't the case, obviously, because everybody left. But I was kind of like, let's stay in, uh, and I got to explore California all of, for the first time. Like I drove up and down the coast like three, four times. Super, super nice. Uh, so yeah, that was. And I'm not trying to like play Mr. Good Captain here, but I did stay partially for the team too. Like I thought about it. It was nice to be close to the people. It was easy for me to convey the message when I saw most of them. Like 85% of the team was in, in Berkeley when they didn't have to. So, yeah, part of it was I stayed because I was just, like, very fired up to be the guys. And, again, talk about that. If I hadn't come out of my freaking shell nine months ago, I wouldn't have a family, to, like, the group to, like, support me through those times. So, you know,
0: yeah. The hard part of the first two years, um, mental health-wise, was being in that shell and not coming out of it. Mm-hmm. But now you have this responsibility on your shoulders, which is not easy at all. And part part of what we talked about last time, right, like... It's one, not easy at all, but two, not really talked about as much how heavy it could get on certain shoulders. And again, that's why I point out the I don't have that experience with those teams. I don't. Can I understand you and other things? Yes. But I don't know what it's like for an alumni to be, hey, what's going on with the season? Hey, why aren't we winning X amount of games? Hey, what happened in the semis? So you have that pressure, you're staying a fifth year because, well, you had already thought about it, but you, you want to do something about it. You know, there's the pressure of, all right, my career is set, but I came for the ring and I saw it in 16 and I don't want to leave without one. How do you handle that being the captain, the leader, one, one of the oldest guys on the team as well? Like when guys are looking at you, how do you respond to that? Um, uh,
1: I think dichotomies again. There is a very big different. Like that, you have to play two roles. You have to be the beacon. You hear the? Yeah,
0: I was gonna say. It's a bit weird. Could it be
1: my headphones? Because I
0: was playing with the thing. We're back after a technical break. Wait, uh, it even it, sounds better now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were saying the um, dichotomy. Uh,
1: yeah, like I think it's very. It's for, at least for who I am and how I carry myself and how I was as a captain. Like it was very. It, it was it was a dichotomy between managing, like, semi-human, but also you want to be that beacon of light when everybody, like, is, like, a dark time. And you also want to be that maturity when everybody's super excited. But you also want to be that uh, excitement when everybody's sad. So you need to, like, kind of, like, be the other side of the pendulum, like, kind of, whatever you want to call it, like, make the scale come even if it's, like... So for me, that was, like, I needed to be able to, at one, leave my feelings at home and practice. But also there were times where I had, kind of, like, and I've told this to like the guys that are now in in the leadership of the team. I was like, sometimes like I just had to level with them. Like I walked into the locker room, like almost started crying, like Mitch am Like guys, I like I can't convince the whole team to do this. If you don't want to do this, let me know, cause I like I care about this, and I know you do. But we need to figure this out. So I there were times where I needed to be like very human with them, and there were times where I needed to be like, listen, this is business as usual. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna do this, this and that. So I think that. You develop that reading the room type of thing, reading the team, it's like reading your friend. Sometimes you're accurate, sometimes you're not, sometimes you're 50 percent. But like that's how I handle it. Like I had to be very like, you know, at times I needed to be very mindful. I think I was very detached for the most part, and I chose when to show more emotion than not. Um, but for me, overall, what was going on in the back end, like I just had a, not, didn't have a lot of time. And I like last year, last fall, I slept like five hours on average, four didn't eat well, I, it, was, it was a hard semester, I but I think that I came out of it way better. But it was just like, wake up at 5, 5.30, to do some networking on LinkedIn before practice or before school, go to school or go to practice, then whatever, studying the breaks. I would try not to go home because my bed was just like calling me to take a nap. So I would just like probably pack up my bag and just spend it at like hospice and school because I had two classes there, study room at Haas, and just like the pool and there were days where man I was like there were days where I physically couldn't get up like I was just like changed into my speedo sat in the locker room just like you know people would come like let's go let's do this there were other days where other people were like, then I'm, like okay you can't feel soft like you can't feel like sad you have to do this and adding the mental component to it the mental health component to it I also needed to know where you know do you need to take care of, your, of yourself before taking care of the team because if you're not good you can't help the team so it's a lot of things to juggle it's not an easy thing to answer I would say
0: and is there ever a feeling of like overwhelmingness? Like you're saying, it's a lot of things 100%. to juggle, juggle but if, if you definitely feel that overwhelmingness, 100%. and obviously you're human, you're going to have emotions. Sometimes you have to show them, sometimes you don't. With that being said, how do you juggle? And I'm not expecting an answer to this, how obviously. Do how, do I do that? How, how do you know? How do you oh. juggle it? Because I'm not expecting an, a, a, an answer with that because there is. No specific one. I'm just wondering what kept you going in those mornings where it was like, man, dude, I'm tired, man. I, I can't keep going with this. It's interesting because I was talking about this with like
1: a guy, a friend, like a mentor at work. And I told him, you know, like, A, I have dreams. B, if I set a goal, I kind of like don't compromise for it in general. And C, dude, I kind of burned the boats when I came here. I don't have, like, I just, and I'm not trying to play tough or whatever. I just don't, like, I came here to make my life. And I'm not gonna go back until I figure that out and that's something that just gets you like that's discipline if I have learned something through sports it's discipline like if it needs to get done it will get done sometimes you will do it up to par, just up to par because you don't have more energy or you think you don't whatever sometimes you over exceed sometimes you'll be a little, just a little better and like the whole thing is like get through another day and have faith and just do like every night I would go to bed like very, satisf- very satisfied for the most part just that I did everything I could so that's what keeps you going, that A, you know what you're doing is good for you. Two, you know that you did your best. And three, like, quite frankly, you need, sometimes you need to light a fire under your own ass and be like, listen, man, like this all we got, you don't, there's no time for that. And to bring again, the mental health component to it, it's very hard to juggle that because there's times where it's like, you know, if you don't stop now, you won't be able to network for a week. So let's take a day and go for a dinner and go to bed at 8 p.m. to get like 10 hours of sleep because you need them on the back end. So again, as you said, there isn't an answer. It's very much like we'll figure out as we go. It's a game. Things change in the game the score, the time, the opponent, like everything changes. So you just have to adapt.
0: Yeah, no, and it's all adapt and adjust. I'm sure you see this with this freaking tri- podcast. This is trial and error every single time. Yeah. And there's times when it's like, ah, dude, wake up in the morning and start editing. And, ah, uh, but the videos did well. And then the videos didn't do well. And this one got 100,000 views. And then this one got 200. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Uh, there was this comment, these people told me to my face that they don't like what I do. These people were making fun of my project right here. But these ones were saying that it inspires them and that they like it and please do more. And it's like, well, to what extent am I going to listen? And I am all ears to feedback. I am all ears to criticism. I am all ears to compliments. With that being said, you have to learn who to listen to and who to not listen to. Because if not, it's going to be just getting all these ideas in my head. Even compliments. It could get my ego up when, no, you need to cut that out and get back to work. Negative things. No, cut that out, get back to work, improve. So it's 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 a balance, like you said, a podcast, soccer, water polo, school. Social life. Social life, anything. It's trial and error every single time. But I was just asking this specifically, like, with that, with those aspects of, what keeps you going, and it's it's interesting. It's a it's a dream. I almost feel like you almost have to lie to yourself until it becomes a reality. In the sense that not fake it till you make it. I'm not saying that. No, I know exactly what you mean. But the lie of hey, this could become something. Keep going, keep going, keep going until it
1: does. I think that like one of my biggest aspects, uh, like one of my biggest assets, like I'm kind. Of, I don't know why. Like I think I think like honestly, my parents deserve like a lot of credit for this. My parents never told me like be more realistic. It's not that I told them, oh, I'm going to be an whatever. or whatever. Like, I, but I was kind of like, I want to do this. They were like, OK. It, the answer was always, like, OK, how do we do this? My mom was more of like the processes, the, the, like, the, like, the discipline for it. My dad was more of the mechanics. My dad, big finance guy, was always like, let's make an Excel for it. No matter what it was. <laughs> it was like, want to go there, let's make an Excel for it. So it was always like, and you don't make an Excel for everything. Almost for everything, you can make one. But you just kind of, like, you catch on the mentality that, okay, it's not that you can't. It's that, A, is going to take something. You need to know what it takes. and You need to know how to get there. And I think that uh, my biggest thing was just, like, dude, like, I I do dream. And, like, nobody has ever told me how my dreams are to be And whoever told me that and I listen to them, I go back and I'm like, you should have shut that person out of your life so much earlier, which I eventually do. And it's true, like, dude, I... Again, going back, like, I was the last person to get on that bus for that World world Championship team. I was... You line up those 13, those other 12 dudes, probably most of them would have a scholarship before me. I never told that I wanted to go to the U.S. to people for the first two years, but did I think about it all the time? Did I watch all the NCAA videos all the time? Didn't tell about it. You don't need to tell your dreams always, because, as you said, people are going to say bad things, and, you know, if they catch it at the wrong time and they, you know, they... Uh, they discourage you, like they can have such a bad effect, which is such a shame. So yeah, I think that like I was always a dreamer. I always had like the mentality of just like I'm gonna make it and also I also believe that you know I never had something to fall back into. Which is interesting that I I say that I was a dreamer because I always struggle with self confidence, which kind of it's interesting. Like I always thought that I was meant for things but I also like didn't know if I was gonna make it. So that's where I did all this work to bridge the
0: gap in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the only way to gain more confidence is literally through repetition in whatever it is that it is.
1: You know what's, uh, you know, Ed Mylett, I'm assuming?
0: No. Oh,
1: so Ed my, like, he's a pretty big uh, motivational speaker and stuff. He says that self-confidence, which is, I find it very interesting, and he clicked my head. He's like, to have self-confidence, you just have to, like, you have to have a good tally with yourself. You have to keep the promises you make to yourself, and that's how you build self-confidence. And he's like, for the people that are, like, achieving things but don't have self-confidence, you just have to go back and remind yourself your achievements now and then. Not too much, but you have to because I also heard another like, obviously my friends make so much fun of me, my feed is like full of mo- motivational videos, whatever. One another video I heard was like, you know the story of Akers? So you know the guy that basically, it's an ancient Greek myth where he, they were trapped in a labyrinth in Greece, in Crete, and him and his dad, that was an architect, he, his dad made feathers out of wax to escape the labyrinth. Okay, okay that's Akers. Uh, and his dad was Daedalus, and he basically told his son, Icarus, don't fly too high, because if you go into the sun, the wax will melt and you fall in the sea. What did Icarus do? He flew too high because he got too excited, ended up. The point is that there's another side of the story that nobody says. His dad also told him don't fly too low, and the speaker was trying to get to the point that like, we often tell people to be humble, but we, we don't tell people enough to believe in themselves. And that's what I feel like happens with a lot of athletes. Because we've, we've been around so many coaches that scrutinize us to make us better. We just only learn to like say the bad things and we forget to give ourselves pads in the back. So while you while you set those dreams, you should give yourself a pat in the back and you should allow yourself to dream. Because if you, your dreams are not big enough, they don't scare you. To, like We're 20-something. We can mess up our life four times. If we, if we decide to I hope we don't but like we can mess yeah. <laughs> up our life four times like we start again like we should have big dreams we should try things and no matter what that is go start in another country go over here abroad pick a job that you don't like so all those things just things that I kept telling myself to like motivate and last thing I learned how to outsource my motivation I knew what I needed to listen to watch and the content I to consume to make myself feel better because sometimes man when you have nothing and you put that song and you can go for like another gym session or like another, you know, study session or you can like call your parents, like I'm very like for them just like cry for fifteen minutes and be like, I'm good, I just need to take this so I can go. Like you need to like figure out your ways to get there. Yeah. And I kinda figured it out in the way what helps me, what doesn't.
0: Yeah, you have to like surround yourself with the right people and that's not necessarily the people physically, but also just what you're listening to, who you're listening to, what you're reading who you're studying, et cetera, things like that. And it's funny, like, I'm smiling for two reasons. Again, my friends would give me so much shit about these things as well, like the feed, oh, he always has something to say, this or that. Same thing with quotes. I'm huge on quotes. We had to do something for, for a class um, where it was, like, an identity poster something like that. It's a class I teach for a freshman, like UGBA 199. Oh, course. yeah, so that one. And you have to do an identity poster. And literally, I just put quotes in it, like, to show the kids, like, hey, you can, I mean, you can draw yourself a picture, you can do your own pictures, I literally just put up some of my quotes, and that's, I'm smiling, because same thing comes from my parents starting to recognize it, and they will, like, give me quotes to learn, or like give me gifts with it, and this is actually, it's right here on my table, it's one of my favorite gifts Have ever. posted this at some point. What? How you posted what it says, I think I've seen this. Yes. What you I, say? I have. So it's one of my favorite gifts. My dad gave it to me for my birthday this past summer. And it says, you see things, you say, why? But I dream things that never were. And I say, why not? George Bernard Shaw. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, dream, dream, oh dream, go, go, go. And then it becomes, it's never, oh, don't don't shoot for that because it's not going to happen. No, it's, how are we going to do it? How are we going to make it happen? And like you're saying, same thing for me. It's like, my parents support with that. The first time I've gotten, not backlash, but they were like, what is this kid up to? It's 18 years of soccer. And then out of nowhere, he starts to get a camera in front of him. What is this kid doing? It's All different right. generations. No, 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 no. Not in a bad way. No, I, mean, no, I know. But it, they were like. And not the generation either. They were just like, how long is he going to stick to it? That's what they were most. It could have been anything else. If I, if I said, oh, now I want to be a chef. They're, eh, is this, no, this no, gonna no, be our no,
1: Generation, it's a fair thing to say, honestly. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, no,
0: Exactly. And that's the first time I remember. My mom was like, hey, "Maybe don't buy the camera," because I I was like a private uh, coach and raised that money and all that money into one of these cameras. And maybe don't, maybe just see it. No,pe I'm gonna do it. As soon as they saw me go all into this, full support,
1: which, is, which is amazing because it's the same. Yeah, they kind of like want to. They kind of want to challenge you a little bit. They just want to just make sure that you have it, so they can tell you because they trust you. But they want to make sure that you're making the good decision. So it's it's a good thing to have like. Good relationship with them. I have
0: the same. And and let me be clear. It's not that they weren't supporting of it at no, all. Totally. It was just that little. Challenge it was the same like thing saying.
1: with me when I was like kind of thinking what I wanted to do for a degree and the one I wanted to do for a job. It was kind of like I kind of had those conversations mostly with my dad. And you know, first time he was kind of like pushing me away from like banking because he did. And then I took my first economics class and I was just like, this is what I like to do. And I called him. I was like, listen, this is what I want to do. He's like, okay. Like when they see you do things with conviction, they're just kind of like,
0: all right. Yeah. Off you go. You know, exactly, exactly. I completely agree with, with that. You get the confidence, you're growing. <laughs> I can't skip the, the story of the full circle moment with your last game being NCAA champions, especially the last shot, the last goal, everything. Take me through through that and what that meant for you, full circle moment. Li- like quite literally.
1: Uh, <laughs> <sighs> uh like you always, that, that every time that somebody asks me, I say the same thing. Like, dude, everybody dreams of scoring the winning goal at some point in their life. And I was, like, never a big scorer. Like, my position is not a big scorer yep. position. We're more of a defender, like, distribute things out. Wasn't, like, a big gun in the team Anyways, was, like, I was just, like, did my job. And I don't know, to be there and to do it like that, it was kind of, like... At the moment, I didn't know because there were 28 seconds. And my thing was just, like, let's go set up the defense. And I don't say this to, like, seem cool. Like, I actually didn't realize how little there was left in the clock. And I also thought we were up by two by then. Like, I thought we were already ahead and I scored another one. Um, But then I'm like, oh. Then I look at the score and then I see that they're calling a time. And I'm like, okay. And then he was just kind of like, I don't know it ends, I almost dropped. how much I, ye- I was yelling. I was just like, I didn't know what was going on. Then I get out and then I see like, all of my former captains were there for more like four years. My best friends, girlfriend at the time, like family is there, everyone is there. And just like, I just grabbed Odie, my friend that was here. And it's just like, just like bawling eyes out. Like freaking he was like zooming on us. And like, I was like, fuck, <laughs> uh, but it was just like, I don't know. It's, t- as, it's a culmination of a lot of pushing, like, it taught me. It it reassured the belief that I had that it's cool to care, because this is something I did didn't mention before. During that last, during those nine months of COVID season and the second season of 2021, like I just oh, at some point I was like, do I care too much? I I get that a lot of myself. Like I asked, you know, but it's cool to care. It's cool to do good. It's it's it pays off. At some point, it pays off, and that was the vibe. Like you know, all these people and seeing people being happy for you, seeing your brothers, just like my team has just been like happy and accomplished and we talked about this hours and hours over night outs movies walks phone calls zooms everything we've talked about this just happened it was just super cool and i think that it really hit me when i was i when we were at that like last day end of the year banquet when we kind of like talk about things you know i kind of it was, it was, you know, again, it, it, it was wor- it would, it was all worth it. That's kind of, like, what it meant for me. Uh, I was very proud and very happy. Like, it's still, still a beautiful moment. And it would always be, like, it would always be because, you know, people wanted us to win, and we did, and everybody was very happy. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm explaining
0: this very well. No, 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 no. I mean, it completely makes sense. And, I mean, you literally cannot make it up better. At all. Like, you can't no. write that. No. You, you can't make that up. And, and for you to finish that way after how you started and everything you went to, I think, is absolutely incredible. And congratulations on that. I remember the, the first time I, like, not met you in person because we didn't meet, but that I saw you was in that captain's meeting that we had with uh the the leadership thing that the yeah. classes they were giving and you spoke about that and literally everything we've talked about and i was like holy shit because obviously i saw the video obviously i saw the the celebration <laughs> and everything but my friends makes like my teammates make so much fun about it yeah <laughs> i know what you meant uh, and uh, i've uh, heard you you explain it how it was like uh like bare territory did, did, the, did the guy at the leadership thing ask ask or something no they they ask like just for your perspective and and you were i mean literally the same thing we're talking about now which i think is the healthy thing that we should be talking about anybody as leaders which is bullshit aside cut it out it's straightforward you have to grind out you all have to be on the same page and you have to do the work it's no let me see if i can make it no it's yes or no are we gonna put in the work yes or no are we gonna get there together yes or no all right and that's it and people and people can see
1: through that like if you if your intentions are genuine and you've done a little bit of bonding like people can see that and truly i truly believe that only people that are selfish are not going to get on board one way or the other they will so yeah i don't know i think that it came all full circle and if you remember like at those seminars i talked a lot about the mental side of things like i talked a lot about how like being an sba cap- uh, team, a captain of an sba team or like a division one team is it's a thankless job man because you're a player you don't have any other privileges really but you have a lot of extra responsibilities if you choose to assume them and you have the potential to do something big. But, like, it's it's rough waters all the time, and that's why it's so rewarding when you make it. And it doesn't need to be a title. It needs to be, like, my team did this and we did this. Everybody has their own North Star. Not everybody wins, but a lot of teams can have made those huge leaps. Yeah.
0: Oh, agreed. Agreed. And, like I said, congratulations on all of that. That's Appreciate incredible, it. especially after the obstacles that it took to even get there in the first place, right? And... I think it gives some extra flavor to that ring. Wanting it from 16, uh, 17, 18, 19, COVID, 21. Took us a couple of attempts, for yeah. Hey, but you got there. The obstacle is the way, yeah. no? But then again, going
1: back to what we were saying before, did I think that we could have have at least one more ring. Always, I think about that, and it's it's a thing that I have always thought, think about, and. Something you need to, like, manage the expectations with yourself, just like it's in
0: the past. That's insane, though, that you always finished on top of the three teams that you had. Like, it's it's crazy yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. naturally, in a way, I guess naturally, or that you chose to step away, was at the top. Like, with your I club team. It was,
1: like, my last that, That's, I'm saying. Na- that's <laughs> what I'm
0: saying, naturally. Like, there was no yeah. other option. League, international, NCAA. On top.
1: I'm a lucky guy, man. What can I say?
0: That's crazy. It's like that Batman quote of either uh, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Okay, I guess? Hey, <laughs> I guess you die the hero. That's a better way to look at it, don't you think?
1: That's a, I never thought about it. Yeah. Very, very, very romanticized. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was nuts, man. Like, I was so happy. And it's a very, very sweet moment. Even when we got the ring like this August, we did the little ceremony thing, I just like started crying. I'm like, it's impossible. We actually have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's just that. Like, and I like, I felt so much because we put, I and we put so much into it that it's kind of like, it's very rewarding when you invest in things. It's worth it. It's worth to care. It's worth to like put a part of you into things. Yeah. Because then like life just multiplies it for you. Carrying is cool. That should be, that should be the motto of this podcast. Yeah.
0: Carrying is cool. With, uh, with this like philosophies and leadership and everything that we talked about. I've had a question in mind since the last time we talked. Mm -hmm. I think that these lessons and everything we've talked about with what we've learned through philosophies, leadership, uh, whatever you want to call it, life lessons, they are good because they guide you. But at times, do you think, do you think they suppress our mental health and help us keep going or they fix the mental health, which allows us to keep going? And I'm Mm -hmm. asking that because of the pressures. Example, you mentioned the Stoics last time, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Big fan. With that being said, sometimes I I feel myself just struggling with super overwhelming. I'm tired. I'm like about to break down. And literally, I go back to the basic of focus on what you can control and ignore the rest. And it's like one that solves my problems like on the spot. But maybe I need to express that emotion. Do you think these lessons are just suppressing our emotions and that at times just being human we need to let them go and sometimes because we're men we struggle with that a bit more like should we be having those breakdowns every now and then or should we just follow these lessons and keep going i think that it's a little bit of both like i think that
1: our in our day and age we kind of like demonize emotional control too much i don't think there's nothing wrong with it i think it served me very well for the most part i think that it's true that you shouldn't take decisions when you're uh, feeling emotional so it's helped me on that however do i think that like there should be a safer space for men to talk about it yes but like that's a longer conversation that's a that's a very abstract thing to say because it's not just like it should be cool for us it should be like a space how to say it who to say it. like it's both ways like who to talk to like we should be able to talk to our guy friends way more where well, we don't do that enough like we don't but Because you kind of like opened up to like, so the stoic part, I think the stoic part is brilliant. I think it's the, I think it's pure strength. I think you have to be able to, because I, and this is a personal thing that I thought, because I thought about it, I want to be able to be the person who people rely on. I want to have a family in my life. I want to be that beacon of strength. However, on the flip side of things, I want to be able to have a circle plus a partner at some point where I'm going to be able to be like, listen, like five, six, seven times a year. I need to just like, just lay down. Don't talk to me. Just like let me like you know lay my head somewhere. So I think that just like you have to build your environment to allow you to be, you know, emotional. Which you can be stoic and emotional at the same. At the same, you can have the stoic philosophy inside of you, but also be emotional. Because like I think that stoicism is about not making emotional decisions and understanding your emotions. And as a quote that I love says, "Feel your shit, understand your shit, but don't lose your shit." So I think that allows you not to lose your shit. So once you get a hold of yourself, you know which things are worth talking, crying, being sad about, and you kind of like build that healthy relationship with yourself you're like, okay, you're just tired or you're just hungry. Let's revisit this in a little bit. Others think like, this is kind of big, you kind of need to talk about this, you know? So I think that, again, emotional control is strength, and especially in like a out level with other people, you need to be able to control yourself. And on the mental uh, health side of things, we just need to be able to like create a space where we can open up.
0: The podcast has been my favorite school, and this is one of the biggest lessons because it wasn't uh let's see what Nikos has to say. It was a genuine question that yeah. I've had on my mind like, how can I have I... the answers? I'm yeah. just, uh, no, but that helped a lot. Like, it was for me, it's been like, damn, so many times I'm about to break down. Should I? Should I just let it go? No, nope. focus on can control, keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's helped me, it's helped me find happiness and everything. but you're right. It's not it's not about not being emotional. It's about not making emotional decisions, which I have done. I just didn't understand it that
1: way. We all do. And I think like my for example, my biggest thing with emotions is anxiety and analysis paralysis. I suffer by it immensely. I go through it every time a major thing comes in. and like there isn't a benefit in you paralyzing by stress. It there's a benefit in you Write down the things you can control, write down the things you cannot control. Take care of the things that you can control, and above the others you can worry. But it's a very w- different way of worrying and a way healthier of being like, holy crap, like, I actually, like, yeah, Stoic philosophy we tell you don't worry about those things. But it's human. When it's a big thing, it's human. And you should allow yourself to be like, Phew, man, if this goes whatever, and this, this, and that. And then you have that support circle that hopefully is going to tell you, listen, let's go have ice cream. Let's go on a walk. Let's go watch a movie. Let me give you a hug. Let me chat. Let's put some music on. So we can go through them those emotions that you have to feel but yeah it's 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 an ongoing thing like you know understanding your emotions and what you want to do and which ones is okay to feel which ones are just like circumstantial like again what I'm trying to say is like for example for me with analysis paralysis like you step back and you say okay I can take care of these things and then I can be stressed but like not doing anything about it it's just worse so again it's an emotional decision at the end but you've taken care of the stuff you have to take care of interesting
0: yeah no I mean I completely
1: which, by the way i'm a work in progress i don't mean to sit here and like give advice or instructions i don't i don't think anybody
0: <laughs> can ever say that they're their final version and if they are they're flying too close to the sun and they're yes. yeah their feathers will, will break down but no, i mean i think that's it's important to to recognize that because another quote to throw at you like the first step to solving any problem is recognizing that there is one and if you can say like all right I've had issues in the past. I've dealt with them. I have some current ones. I'll keep working on them. And once you're done with these, you'll find new ones. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that carrot again, what are you running towards, you know?
1: Exactly. Problems are problems are a good thing. Keep you sharp. Yeah. No, 100%. I can mostly solve most of them one way or the other. Speaking of a quote, speaking of this, my dad's favorite quote, one of the first quotes I heard from him. It's that one. It's part of the serenity. Do you know the serenity prayer? Yes, 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 It yes. says that, like, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. Which, for me, is just, like, the best thing that, uh, like, a, a father can tell his son when he's, like, going through something, that I like, remember. Like, just understand what you can change, change what you can, and then
0: that's it. Yeah. That's life. Literally. Yeah, I had a teacher and a, who all, was also a coach at one point who... I used to go to a religious school mm-hmm. so that was like how we started every single class just with that one and amazing I mean it, it makes a huge difference just like it, call it a mantra call it a prayer whatever you want to call it it helps I believe in like I
1: think that whatever your relationship is with God whatever God you believe in I think that like there is some like soul cleanse that you can do through praying doesn't mean like doesn't need to be like something driven but just kind of like as humans, we're always like manufactured or like believed in higher entities and bigger things. So I think that's a very healthy thing to keep with yourself To in order for you to keep gratitude, to keep hope and to keep like, you know, be thankful about things.
0: Yeah. What's your relationship with that? Are you religious? So I'm, I'm raised Orthodox,
1: Orthodox Christian, and I think that like I have a healthy relationship with it. I do. I do believe that, you know, you can believe in any God. You everybody has their own version of God, whatever that is. I don't think there's a specific way uh, of worshiping or, like, believing in it. I don't think, like, for example, the church is the only way. Like, it should be way... as Anyone anyone should be able to have a healthy relationship with whoever their God is. Or if they don't want to have one, that's also fine. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, you should ascribe to anything if you don't believe it. You shouldn't force yourself. You should find a higher meaning, higher purpose, and kind of, like, you know, work out your relationship with it as you age. And I personally have that. Like, I'm very thankful and i th- I think about like a lot of the mornings, it's part of my morning routine. like I like to say three things. I'm like, thanks for everything I've got, and for the people, for my people being healthy, please keep them healthy. And then I think that a friend of mine told me it's like, I don't pray for lighter burdens, I pray for a stronger back and the opportunity to develop a stronger back, which is kind of like what I, I like to say. So that's your prayer. That's something I've been saying recently. Back in the day, I just like to say nah. and then you know, like a thank you mentally. It's whatever you think. And if you don't want to say it to a God, and you want to say it to the universe, go ahead. Like, I just think that's a good thing to have in your mind, in your
0: purpose. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think that whoever your God is, whether you do or don't have one, whether it's the universe, whether it's Constellation source, whatever you want to call it, for me, it's if it's making you a better person, if it keeps you going, if it helps you find motivation or a good sense of vibe for everybody else, then do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fine to judge other people depending on what where they can find that. That mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think is right, but... If that's making you a better person, awesome. If that's making you a better person, awesome. You do you. It's beautiful to learn
1: about other religions and it, like it, it is. I'm a big proponent of like understanding where everybody's coming from, and I think it's beautiful to learn about other religions because I think that you can always pick little bits from everybody.
0: Yeah, you pick the bit, the bits from from everyone. You choose the best, and then once you, if you copy from one person, you're plagiarizing. But if you're choosing from the best of the best here, there, here and there, you combine it, and it's your own original product. So yeah, that's the best part. Well, that's pretty much. What I had, did I miss anything that you want to touch on? Anything you want to say? I have some last final questions, but I don't want to skip any part of your story. Did I want to say anything today? Man, I feel
1: like we talked about so many things. I feel like what I told you on our coffee was kind of like, you know, just like to everybody out there, like going through it, like just keep going. Like, I don't know exactly what your like audience like comprises of, but like seeing others that are listening, like, man, it's, it sucks. But like, you know, lean on your people. Lean on your people and at the same time make sure somebody can lean on to you. Like, they're good. It's we're all in this together. We have so many things in common and there's so many people going through the same stuff and you don't even know. Talk to somebody. Cause I uh, I think that it's it's really sad how many people like I didn't mean to like turn it this, but like we talked about this, like, kind of like it's really hard how much people are suffering alone and i suffer alone for whatever period of time. And you know, just talk to somebody. It's 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 gonna be good for you. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I feel like
0: that was, we talked about this a lot. No, we definitely did, and I mean, if anybody is listening to this part, I'm just going to go out and, and say it, that there there are people out there willing to listen, not in a, like, cliche way, but literally, like, SAC, for example. I think I told you about this, like, the group we have yeah, yeah. at SAC. SAC, uh, for those that don't know, Student Athlete Advisory Committee. There's two players from every team. There's only one team in NALCA Athletics that does not have representatives yet, Shout out, men's water polo. Um, But we're doing our best to get two reps from you guys. Anyways, um, we do, so it's bi-weekly meetings. And after every meeting, there's a group that it's like mental health subcommittee. And it's called the open circle or like peer-to-peer. And it's literally 10, 15 student athletes. We're just sitting and we talk. It's not therapy. It's nothing. But people talk, people listen, and that's it. And it goes. Sometimes it's seven minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Whatever people need. So even if you think there aren't people that are willing to listen, there literally are. Like it's going on within Cal Athletics, not administration. Nobody's there. It's only student athletes. So
1: yeah, and reach out to like I don't know. I was I I said this when we were at like the the captain seminar last year. Like reach out to anybody you see. I don't know. Everybody's super approachable. If you like. Yeah like if you want advice just talk to somebody obviously like I don't know that anybody would want to talk to me but like or you like you're the most approachable human being I've ever seen like if you <laughs> talk to anybody yeah, like people feel comfortable talking to you and think that they should reach out if they need help But like me I don't know like if anybody wants to reach out to me but you know again this is a great platform for people and like I tell you this like I hope Cal Athletics gets more involved in this so we can so there can be a little more of like peer-to-peer support in like a more
0: uh, scaled way, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent agree with, with all of that. Um, moving forward, you said that I remember you said this, this stuck out a lot to me. You said best years of your life are not college, but the ones after, mm-hmm. what do you have going on right now? I know you wanted to move to San Diego, like you mentioned, which is my hometown. So that's awesome. Um, how does it, what's it like in the sense of like being a former, athlete like competitive athlete per se i remember asking uh kyle millis when he came on like what are you gonna do because we all just like need the gym or need something like how has that experience been like for you like not playing water polo anymore and finding a source of i think
1: i think that like so i basically graduated in december and my lease is up in so graduated in december 2021 and my lease is up may 2023 so i'm staying in berkeley for an extra year and a half after graduation basically I'm like six months, seven months away from like moving up. I decided to stay because again, because my family doesn't live in the US, I didn't have somebody to fall back to, to stay for a couple months to figure things out. So my plan was to keep everything constant besides the work and trying to figure out work. Going into the work part, I think that it's a big adjustment for student athletes because we come in, at least me, you come in with this same drive and competitiveness, but like the field and the sport has changed a lot. So you start setting these goals that you don't even know if they're like achievable, realistic, or like, not rather the goals, the timeframes. That's the tricky part. So that's what I, uh, it was like hard to adjust for me. Like keep uh, realistic expectations. And like, Jeter Peterson talks about this. He's like, you need to be humble enough to set the bar properly low to build yourself into like enough steps. You can have like a ladder that's like every step is like super high to reach. And you have a ladder that's like reachable now and then. So that was hard for me to like start setting. Like I came in like, yeah, I'm going to get promoted like tomorrow. So like, that's immediately so what i'm trying to get at the the hardest part for me was like to find a way to channel my energy and work uh capacity and ethic and discipline into the job it was harder but now that i'm hitting my stride like that's what i'm focusing on in terms of health i just i was very and i advise this to any people like automate everything else outside like if because it's going to take you so much to like figure out work automate the gym and the, and the meal plan as much as you can cuz I'm a huge creature of hobby, too I don't mind eating pretty much the same thing like day after day or every two days like i just a couple months ago i sat down made a meal plan made a gym plan and just like i know what i have to do and so the work part I get to be creative and flexible the before and after which is the meals and the gym I have it and then I have a couple of other hours which is for friends books family movies whatever so that's kind of how I've navigated trying to keep a schedule and a routine because we've been taught to live by a routine and a schedule so that's that was my antidote replicate some sort of routine but instead of sport have the job
0: yeah, yeah. No, and yeah, the sense. plan is
1: to move to San Diego eventually
0: lovely awesome to close out last couple of questions, you may or may not have seen that I asked other people this. Some of oh. the previous guests have caught on to it, but I'm still going to ask it. I haven't. Actually, I saw this, but I don't remember the questions. All right. Let's see. What is your definition of success? Long
1: term or this, this next few years?
0: In, in your life, any moment, like what would you consider success to be? Ha- happiness. Content
1: like being being happy where you are and where you're going. Obviously, you're not gonna be always very happy, no. You're not gonna always be at the time where like, you know, oh, everything's going perfectly. You're gonna have your doubts, but success is for me that. And success is to like, maybe I'm answering this question wrong, but for me, like, it's also like, you know, building the life you want in terms of like family and being able to like have what you want and be able to have like, to live in the environment you wanna live and have built that environment. That's for me success.
0: To clarify, is success the carrot that you're chasing, or is it something that you're running with while you chase that carrot? It's a North Star. Like,
1: I have a, I have a goal, a vision, a purpose, whatever, which is to, like, be able to be, like, at some point in my life, turn back and be like, look what I made. And, you know, the process is, like, a beautiful thing. As cliche, I just cliche that sounds, everybody talks about the process. Yeah. But, like, success is, you know, to have that process and get to a point where you're like, okay... And, you know, you get to touch success and then it goes far away and you're like, oh, like I'm getting there. But, you know, you never. I don't think you can be really successful fully until, you know, you get back and you're like, OK, this is what we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like with happiness, like the way I understand it right now is as a cycle, like happiness being a means to its own end. So like for explain that for your non-English speaking friend. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I'll, I'll say it in Spanish and then I'll explain it in oh, English. Sure. Sure. Hey. o sea, cuando el proceso se vuelve la recompensa. Claro, exactly. So when the process becomes the compensation for your work. So instead of, oh, the result. No, it's like, I love the process of doing it. Example, do I want anything to come out of this project and be deemed successful? Yes. Do I want to make money out of this one day? I would love to. But happiness to me is a success for this project. And success right now is... Is this. I'm, I'm having a good time here, which is why I'm going to keep going and going and going, and then I will build the life that I want through it.
1: That's the thing. Like, something I learned with my job now is in the same thing that it's crazy how, like, you said before that how sports serve as a vision for life. It's Everything is applicable. It's just like once you emotionally detach from the results and you emotionally attach to the process, you will be the happiest because at any given moment, you like what you're doing. So... From a professional development standpoint, that's success. Being truly in love with the process. From my personal goals, I have some personal goals that I would like to get, which is some sort of like being able to provide for my own family and like have a family and all that stuff. But those are like my personal goals, you know, for a future time, whenever that comes. Yeah. That's success for me. And to live and to do good on a daily basis is also success. Like to touch somebody positively. You don't know what people are going through, and we have an in- immense capacity to do good and to help somebody, we just don't know that.
0: Yeah what about i heard i mean obviously you lived it through water polo mm-hmm. i heard that that you applied to Haas like from what you just said and that's hilarious because I went through the same thing at least beyond she's a junior gymnast I don't know if you know her, but she's the one that was here started the peer-to-peer as well Which I was talking about right now. She's awesome. Um, Props to her. That's yeah, amazing. no, I just recorded with her a few days ago And we that's how we met we both got rejected same time. It's it's a stupid process. I'm not even gonna get into it but um, with those obstacles and everything that's gone and You to where you are today What is your take on the so deemed failure or failures?
1: Hmm. I recently heard a quote that uh, said, I cannot fail if I don't quit. So I don't think you fail if, I don't think you can fail if you're not quitting. Can you be a little smarter at times? Yeah, but uh, look, I am a firm believer that like there's a wall in front of you. You can either bang your head until your head breaks or the wall breaks, or you can find a way to go around the wall. But like as long as you don't stop, like, you know, you're not failing you're just probably maybe you're not doing things the most smart way but like that also happens part of the process like you know you didn't realize there's a door next to the wall let's go around it but like you know i just think like failure is man only people that like don't dream big enough deem things failure like people who are truly like chasing something or they've been successful nobody tells you like things you fail nobody like i think that people are go-getters and dreamers And they've done things in their life. They know that failure is such a toxic word that they don't even use it. I don't use it. I never said that I failed. Never call myself a failure. However, even having like crazy issues with self-confidence, never call myself a failure. So I don't think that failure is anything but stopping and giving up and listening to other people. And I'm a person who's like, looking back, I do a lot of reflecting and trying to be grateful for every single shitty thing that happened. Not failure, shitty thing. I'm also big on like watching your internal dialogue very much. So never do anything as a failure. Everything was there for a reason. Fair wouldn't be fair if he hadn't gone through XYZ. Nicholas wouldn't be who it is if he can not be like through this. Anybody wouldn't be who they are. Everybody's a beautiful human because they've been through this. That's yeah. part of their life. The good and the bad, the yin and the yang. They're there for a reason. Yeah.
0: Agreed. So yeah. Very last one. Biggest fear as a leader? <sighs> I always thought it easy letting down the troops.
1: There isn't letting down my people in general is my biggest fear everything anytime when I feel like I've disappointed something is just one of the things that I just cannot like sleep and I don't say this lightly. like I cannot physically sleep I feel very very bad and I will apologize to people who are sick of me because I just like I don't is it healthy not all the times probably but is it a good trait overall I believe so because I I think it's important to take ownership but my biggest fear is disappointing my people and they know this and they know that I'm hard on me and they tell me that I'm not but disappointing them not failing but disappointing them Like. I don't want anybody to believe in me because for me if somebody believes in me and tell them something good as if they bet money on me and I'm a company and for me to go and fuck it up is says I'm fucking up my shareholders and I never want to do that.
0: Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Come That's on. all I have. It's been a pleasure. Hermano, thank you so much. It's way way better than i could have expected i really really enjoyed this and and love this and hopefully in a few more months we can do it again and we'll be doing it over coffee for sure and we'll be doing tips for san diego hopefully oh for san diego (laughs) easy i mean whenever you want to go we'll be there awesome man thank you so much to everyone that watched on youtube or listened on spotify thank you guys so much if you watched on youtube please like and subscribe if you follow i mean if you're listening on spotify please follow the podcast That's it for today. Nikos, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you so much. I'll I'll see you guys next time. Go Bears. Go Bears. (laughs)